Kevin Puppet, probably an edge in goaltending. Um, probably an edge as far as the fans can go as well. The Ducks are the team that's more likely just to trade chances with you. Uh, the Kings do a great job of limiting chances. The Ducks are completely content with going back and forth and just riding their shooting percentage. Um, but other than that, what are your initial impressions of Kings versus Ducks? Who would you rather play between the two of them? If you asked me a week ago, I would have said the Kings. Um, but with the injury updates and uh, the Ducks all of a sudden, Frederick Anderson concussion, uh, David Perron is out for some time, Ricardo Kell out for some time, uh, Lindholm, um, all, their entire defense, Bieksa, have all have all been injured. And they are all of a sudden, it, as hot as they've been the second half of the season, they are facing some pretty serious injuries. Um, and they are a defensive first team that uh, all of a sudden has some pretty pretty problematic injuries. Now, sort of the Predators with, with possibly, you know, Ryan Ellis has had injuries. So possibly when the playoffs roll around, their defense is fine and ready to go. Uh, but I, honestly, I think I would rather take on the uh, the Ducks and, uh, and forego the onslaught of Kings playoff march to doom where they eventually <laughs> win the cup. There's only two teams I'm ever going to want the Predators to play in the uh, Pacific. And it's only the answer I'm, o- I'm only going to give is either the Sharks or the Ducks. Those are the teams I always want to play. Don't care if they're the better teams. I just like watching the, the matchups. I mean, Ducks, Predators, they are happy to stoke that rivalry up, even though it's coming up, freaks. No. Welcome into a show that finally knows its first round opponent. This is the Predcast, brought to you by Lions of Internet Marketing Solutions on theforecheck.com. Chris is Chris Link. Alex is Alex Doherty. I'm Dan Bradley. How's you, it going? It's going well. You, you see what I did there, Chris? You did. You said my name. It's very special to me. Yeah. I said Chris is Chris Link. Alex is Alex Doherty. So when I say it's Chris, wonderful. the rest of the audience now knows we're talking about you. Yeah, I noticed. I noticed the switch. We've been using my first name. It's, it's so freaky. Well, Link is Chris Link. Okay, there we go. That works too. That works too. Whatever. I, it's not am, that. It's not that big of a deal. Let, let's let's address the elephant in the room. There's um, an elephant in the room. So, since John is no longer here, I'm really disappointed that we won't be able to enjoy the proper Caps versus Flyers banter that we should have gotten this week. Oh yeah, that could have been a lot of fun. It could have because Caps fans are are really loathing all these. These these spiffy little charts that are coming out that are predicting doom in Washington again. So uh, I mean, it would have been it would have been good banter for about four games. I, well, I mean, except for the fact that I mean, statistically speaking, Steve Mason is a better goaltender through the course of the year than Braden Holpe. But I mean, that's just I'm I'm just saying that that that's true. Right. Um. I mean, granted, I'm looking at, at other people saying it's true who do the, a lot of number crunching. But I'm mm-hmm. just I'm just saying what they're saying that 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 the numbers are accurate. Um, I, I enjoyed that Flyers win the other day. That was a great game. Listen, the, the, when the Flyers are playing well, they are so much fun to watch. Yeah. And that's the thing about it. That, the Caps are also fun to watch. This is, I mean, 
It's it's yeah. I mean, we're we're really missing out not having um John though. You know, Alex, glad to have you. I'm not trying to make you feel <laughs> yeah, unwelcome. Who is, who is your second team? I don't know that I have one. I really don't. I I, I I'm a Predators man. Man th- after my own heart. Same. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I've 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 spent some time in Florida where I have a, a bias towards those teams. But Sa- I don't. Says, says says the man who has not only a, a lightning banner hanging hanging in his mental space, but there's there's lurking in the corner. What is that? It's a Florida Is that Panthers? Dustin Brown? Is that Dustin Brown and Kings? <laughs> yeah, it is. What is that in the corner? It, it is Dustin Brown and, and his Kings. black tooth grin. I'll say this. In, in interest of continuity, I would say that the cap- I, I could root for the Capitals this, this offseason. This, this, you, don't this have to, don't, you don't have to pick a fight with me. You really don't. <laughs> it's Alex. it's a tr- it's a trots thing. It's a Michael Lotta thing. I think it's <laughs> it's uh, a Michael Lotta thing. Right. Just like I love the I love the owner because of the Taylor Beck thing. Right. Exactly. It's, that's, that's not, no, that's I, not, I've been following not, the Bridgeport Sound Tigers for quite a while. Thanks to Taylor Beck. You know. <laughs> I have no, well. I have now seen by pure accident the Philadelphia the sorry the the uh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms play the Bridgeport Sound Tigers twice, and both times featuring ex National Predators. <laughs> Okay, so there's Taylor Beck there. Who else? Oh, please tell me there's uh, no, a Yonkman. You know what? No, what? You know what? I take it back. I've seen the Sound Tigers once and the Norfolk Admirals once. Uh, I got, I don't know why I'm confused, but right. it was Beck and then um, uh, Yip. Brandon. So so right. so I see yeah. I see Yip and then next year I see Becks. I don't know why I thought Bra- Sound Tigers twice. It was yeah. it was the Norfolk Admirals and then the Sound Tigers. You really hated Brandon Yip when he was here. too. I didn't hate him. You did I hate him? You severely I, disapproved of his of his badness. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like how bad he <laughs> yeah, was. Man. To me, he's just a former Colorado Avalanche. So he's like he's like a younger Eric Nystrom without the taste in music, which I'm not judging taste in music. I'm just saying it's a different taste in music, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Alex, how was your week? Um, my week was good. I got to go to the uh, Predators game that they won in overtime, which we'll talk about obviously. Um, and um, I had to work a lot. Uh, I peppered in some game recaps. And uh, now I'm finally able to look forward to a playoff series, as we all are. Yeah. Are you, so I don't want to pull back the curtain completely, but uh, Link, I, I don't know if you saw this. I made like an Excel chart of everything that we're doing for like game by game and like colored cells and everything. You, could, you of all people would be I, really proud of this. I, I saw it. I have not had time to actually examine it in detail. It's... Uh, it deserves it deserves proper attention, and I couldn't pay it the proper attention yesterday. That's what I like to hear. Uh, that's, so that's what I like to hear. Right I mean, that's that's I think the reality situation. Yeah, that, that's. But is that is that daunting or is that? Man, I, I don't think we're. I, mean, I think if we little and often make much, man. I think with the arm with the people that we have, good things can happen. Here. I think it's great. I think we have a great team, and uh, I, I'm just looking forward to finally. Not. It's, I felt like this past week was just constant going back and forth between Kings Ducks and then it didn't even end until last night at what we couldn't even record this on Sunday night because <laughs> I mean we we would have spent you know 30 to 45 minutes talking about you know whoever <sighs> you know like the game from this past week who are we going to play, play and then call each other back and record 30 minutes of yeah it's gonna be the Ducks man that's exciting you know and so we decided to hold back on the show for a day and fight traffic in order to provide you I always product. knew it was going to be the Ducks. I always knew. Always knew. Because I Bruce Boudreaux wins the division. He wins <laughs> the division, and also the hockey gods, they love me, and they're going to give me what I want, and I wanted the Ducks. The road to getting to the Ducks, uh, we start back uh, earlier this week. Uh, I'm just going to spend a few minutes on the games here, and I don't expect anything great on this. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're giving it to 5% roughly. Yeah, there you go. Uh, they have a fun game against Colorado. They ended up winning it 4-3. Rene didn't look his best. Uh, Philip Forsberg scores a goal of a lifetime. 
Were you there for that one? I was not there for that one. I missed that, but I watched it. Yeah, I think that you didn't. You didn't, the crowd in the arena did not fully appreciate it until they showed it on the scoreboard like two times, and then you hear kind of like that Rucker Park reaction. Whoa! Oh, whoa. I, I knew immediately when I watched when I was watching. Uh, I knew immediately what had happened. I knew immediately the the, the gravity of it, and I I lost my you know what all over the place. We've seen between the leg goals in the NHL, they happen. You get one or two every year. But the nature of the way that Forsberg scored that, the reaction time, the the thought to actually do that with how the puck was flying back at him is really what makes it impressive to me, the reaction time. Yeah, when you when last time we saw this was what, Tomas Hurdle, uh, was it last year on a breakaway? I know we, I know we saw one there. Yeah. Um, that's the one you, could, you, but you see a couple every year, and it's not always the big names who do them. But right. It's usually premeditated in the sense it's, that it's yeah. on a breakaway. Sure. It's, it's, it's usually a like a very conscious choice. Like, oh, you know, this is the only way I'm possibly going to get the shot on net. Whereas with Forsberg, it was a, it was a reaction. It move. was pure hockey instinct that you just there's no teaching it. He just has it. it, it it's like I mean, it, it's like in soccer when you, when a player hits a Rabona, they they do kind of the the you know, their their weak their strong foot behind their weak foot in order to get a better more accurate hit in the ball. It's just it's a thing they have to be trained to do because you don't do that on accident. You have to really want to... You, it has to just be a reaction to the situation. You know, when Gretzky made a public appearance in Edmonton this past week when they closed uh, Old Northland's Coliseum slash Rexall Place, he talked about a lot of creativity being purged out of the game and being coached out of the game. And when you see something like that from Forsberg, who's obviously from, from Europe, from Sweden, is this something that you would see, like, if you see, like, a Canadian kid practicing this, that you could see just, like, the coach blow the whistle, psh, psh, no! No. Right. No. Well, I guess was he was he talking about the the sort of over reliance on on fancy stats? What was he talking about? Exactly? I I think Dan was was steering us in the right direction. It was a lot about um, the creative freedom of players. I think there was also a lot. Uh, and I can't remember if it was explicit or it was really undertext um, about the increase in 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 shot blocking that's really happening because that's that's one of the biggest things and that no one talks about enough, especially with the whole we need to shrink goaltenders' pads, make the nets bigger, right. replace the goaltenders with with balloon animals, all those sort of things, they don't talk about the fact that block shots are just going way, 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 way up. Because right. coaches are just saying, crowd it, block the shots, and then the shots don't get undone, and it solves the problem. It's a really low risk in terms of goals, not in terms of your player's health type strategy. Yeah, you're not going to see, and, and you're never going to see the player's pad shrink. The skater's pads, you're never going to see them pads shrink. I don't have, they don't really have much enough pain to shrink as is. No, I mean, if you look at how, uh, there was a guy who played for the Stars, uh, Craig Ludwig, uh, he still does things television for the stars, and you talked about he still wore like pads from the '80s when he was playing, even in the up until the late '90s, because that was his whole job, blocking shots. And this was in the '90s when this like the ultimate dead puck era. But couldn't it be also just a, a product of the game is faster now, and so there's less room to be that creative, and so it, it, or at least that kind of creative, and so maybe players are just realizing, hey, it's not going to work, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna do what works. So not so much that players are just giving up on creativity, but it's just it's just such a fast game. It's 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 faster than it was ten years ago. There's some truth to that. I mean, I think the fact that players aren't able to grab a hold of one another either, like they were in the '90s when you had these big loose pro player CCM jerseys that you know you could just grab a hand of it, you know. And the one thing that I'll say the Reebok has done is that they've given us a template that does fit a lot tighter and makes it a little bit harder to grab, as well as the rules have been a bit more clamp down on that as well yeah no i i think it's it's an open question and it's going to be one of the big questions for the 2016 2017 season either going into it or, or throughout it is is really trying to figure out how the game is evolving because it's, it's always evolving it's always changing and and it's you know i think it's about defining what it is is now and 
I mean, I, I think we've seen a lot of counterattacking hockey this year. I think that's been one of the the big big things. Um, just because it's it's more about puck possession, so you have counterattacking to set up. Um, but I mean, I think that's a that's a big conversation for yeah. uh, leading into next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so big, I won't even go into that. We'll kill a whole show on that in the off season, probably. <laughs> uh, play against the Arizona Coyotes. It's a three to two overtime win. Not that not a misspeak there. Actually, an overtime win. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of those games where they just look really bored in the first forty five minutes. They turn it on. They find fifth gear late. Uh, the first off, the first goal, Craig Smith with a a remarkable pass on the power play. He's become a much more well-rounded player this year. And uh, it seemed from about like the 40th game onward, he's moving his feet more. He's got much better vision. What else has he done to just kind of get sharper well, as the year went on? I, I think it, a big thing going in Smith's favor is that uh, for the first couple of years, he was really seen as a primary scorer. I mean, that's really, he. I mean, anyone, any predator who could put up more than 20 goals consistently is going to be considered a primary scorer. Well, this year, obviously Neil and Forsberg are primary, other primary scorers. I mean, guys who are going to who break 30 goals, clearly leaders in that area. So all of a sudden he can just, he, he it's a little bit less pressure. So you have some, some mental freedom. Uh, and also the lines are so much more balanced this year. Uh, you know, with the addition of Johansson and that's, uh, we can talk forever about how monumental that one addition has been. Uh, has allowed to have a really strong line with 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 uh, Smith on it. So it's mu- there's much more balance. There's much more talent for him to work with. I think he finally I think he finally found a line that works. And I think you mentioned this in a uh, previously um, that he finally when, once he finally was using that speed and moving around uh, and allowing Ribeiro to be the distributor and Forsberg and and himself to be the the score things opened up and that's when the the shift happened. I think that has been so important for Smith is to use that speed and I think you've mentioned that before. Either that or maybe the defensive deployments got a little bit more softer, got a little bit softer for him and they weren't playing against everyone's A pair of the night. I think it's somewhere in the middle of there but he definitely has uh, picked a bit more effort on his end. Finally, we have an overtime winner and it only took until game 81 before we see, like you'll love this, Roman Yossi took the face off, skated it into the zone, realized that, hey, on three-on-three hockey, I'm not going to be pressured as much, drove to the net, and put it in. It only took until game 81 before we saw a Predators three-on-three strategy that did not resemble a half-assed power play. I I, actually, I missed the goal. I was literally in front of my, like, reading stuff on Twitter, and I hear just the sound, the whole tenor and everything changed. I don't understand. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't expect the first Predator shot on goal to come until two minutes into the overtime period. After the puck touched the boards. and after, Yeah, after they, they <laughs> held along the side of the boards, turned it over three times because they won't cycle it outside of the board. And I just, I was not prepared for that goal to happen. I think that goal could only be scored by Roman Yossi on our team. He's right. the only one that could make that play. They could go coast to coast, could could at least keep the defense honest enough to know that he could pull it back and distribute, but to be able to speed around and actually put the puck by um, Smith was, uh, was I, don't, I don't think there's anybody else on our team that could score that. I think anyone else would try to take a shot from another angle. Uh, Yossi's the only one that could pull that off. Yeah, the fact that Yossi does, he's, he's so good with the longer stick. He's so good as far as just making lateral moves across the face of the net. But uh, side note real quick. Is Mike Smith still one of the, your least favorite goaltenders <sighs> to play against? Like, is Mike Smith? I, I, you don't even you don't even need the last part of that sentence. <laughs> is is Mike Smith one of your least favorite? 
The answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Boy, I, I have nightmares of that 2012. He, he reminds me a lot of like the. Uh, uh, he, be a good way to put it here without being completely insensitive, but like. When you were back in elementary school, there was always like that one kid that, you know, his, you know, he came from a really rough family and what have you. Maybe he was, you know, just kind of a really rough upbringing, not a very nice guy. Not a whole lot of people liked him, but he did everything he could to emulate like a really po- popular kid. And this is the case where Max Smith is trying to rep- emulate Patrick Waugh, <laughs> snatches the puck out of the air and holds it for everybody. And does little things like that to try to get in your head. And it worked <laughs> for the first like 45 minutes. Mike Smith was just, was in the head of the Nashville Predators for a long time. The, the, and the glove thing is just the worst. Yeah. And then he flips the puck into the net and screws over his own team. I love it. <laughs> And then uh, about two-thirds of the Nashville Predators show up in Dallas. Uh, Jason Spezza scores a hat trick because, you know, of course. And Dallas winds up going on to win 3-2 and clinches the Central Division, which they would have anyways because St. Louis uh, doesn't know a good opportunity when they see one. Mm-hmm. Um, not a whole lot I really want to talk about this game. They didn't bring they didn't bring Rene, Yossi, Weber, Fisher, Ribeiro, any of them to play. Uh, they call up Corey Potter, if that tells you how Nashville's commitment to yep. winning this one. When I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, they did pick up Corey Potter. I forgot about that. Um, I mean, to answer your question, where the hell was Corey Potter? Oh, he was actually on in our franchise. But still, for 30 minutes, they kind of owned this game. Yes. I mean, they, they were, for all the Stars had to play for, for all the Predators had to play for, the, the Predators took it to them and were up, I, what, 2 nothing. I, I, I will say, despite the fact that, that Corey Potter was sort of like, oh, look, it's Corey Potter. Um, yeah, this is a team that's playing Boteto and Granberg. Corey Potter's not far off the mark from those guys. Right. No, he didn't look bad. Uh, if um, if nothing else, this game proved that if something were terrible were to happen to a Ribeiro or Fisher in the playoffs, Callie Arncro could still play center. Uh they look like they were a functioning team without their without their top pairing. Now they're not going to win a series if they don't have Weber and Yossi. Sure. But you at least got to see what else is behind them. And Eklund and Ellis look great together. It's, it's uh, whatever they have to do to get those two guys back together. Because Eklund's okay as a puck mover, but he's better with Ellis. They could trade Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones. That might solve the problem. <laughs> uh, we, got some, we got some news on that later on in the show, actually. One um, of the, uh, if that game gave us nothing else, it gave us a bench interview with Anthony Potato and Lindsey Rowley, which was beautiful oh, if you watch that. No, I was. Um, it was great. Yeah, I was in a situation. I had like the Predators game like to the side in like a little window, and I was watching the Heroes of the Dorm tournament on ESPNU. Um, and and I was teaching a friend of mine like t- game to like watch plays that were happening in this five out of five like video game brawler, hmm. and trying to give him coaching tips because he's just starting to play the game. I was uh, in the midst of making a awesome um, wine ins- wine inspired dessert. That's probably the best use of time. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, it was just uh, just regular Italian bread, uh, French brie, and some blackberry preserves served with some blackberry wine. Oh, that sounds it looked pleasant. delicious. That yeah, it was very really good. Also did it with some strawberry preserves and just a red blend. And, uh, yeah. The blackberry, did, I'm going to say, sounds, sounds yeah. like pro level. Did Jason Spezza's hat trick spoil your dessert at all? Not at all. I, I, my care level with this game was incredibly it shouldn't have. low. Yeah. It's incredibly low. I, I can't I can't emphasize enough how little I cared about this particular game. I, Especially, I, now, I would have cared. I would have cared if the Blues had won and then Nashville had a chance to screw over Dallas. Right. I know we had a lot of Nashville people that went to this game. You know, joke's on you if you go to the last game of the year. I mean, I, I'd expect to see a fully competitive game, you know, if the team's going to the playoffs. But that said, you know what? It was. I, I wanted to at least see him win, but... I, you know, whatever. The effort was okay. there. That's all I cared about. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was there. I think a, a lot of it was there. I I was I was not at all upset about that game. No. It didn't bother me. No, if it did bother you, then I then yeah. I mean, there, even, for better or worse, regardless of you of of who played, you know that game should never bother anybody because it was going to have no effect mm-hmm. on the Predators. No, there's a reason why even in even in sports like uh, with football, when you have fantasy leagues that. The last game of the year is before week 17, the last week of the regular season, because you get a lot of games like that, and no matter what the sport is. So we're not going to waste a whole lot of time with it, because we know we have a playoff series. We have actually some great playoff matchups uh, this year, which we can't really say that about every other year. So we're going to dive into Twitter questions. Uh, A lot of good stuff this week. Thank you for everybody who responded. And I am terribly sorry we didn't get the show up last night. Who's whining about that? Does anyone anyway, know? I'll send them. I'll send them text nah, messages. No one. No one worth. No one worth it. I'm. I'm. I totally missed what you're talking about. But yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna start it off. Uh, Hunter Patterson has the honor this week of uh, claiming the uh, the weekly question, the fourth line. Um, so we saw. A little, so we're seeing so far the uh, practice res- reports are saying that it's Paul Gostad, uh, Salamaki, and Cody Bass starting off on the fourth line. No Sissons, no Watson, and Gabriel Bork is just a rumor right now. Um, how disappointed are you if are you going to be if that if your fourth line for the playoffs is actually going to be Paul Gostad, Cody Bass, but we like Mika Salamaki? I'm not having it, Dan. I'm just not having it. I mean, Sissons has been demonstrably better than Gostad. Period. It's just it's, just, it's the truth, and. Cody Bass is a combat specialist. You know what you don't need in the NHL ever anymore? A combat specialist. Because guess what? If a big guy wants to fight somebody, don't fight him. That That's the trick. Don't fight him. He's breaking the rules. He's going to get a penalty. Don't fight him. Instant advantage. Cody Bass is going to cause you to, you know, granted it's going to be Cody Bass in the box, so it's sort of like net neutral, but I mean, it, it just, it, it, I can't even, guys. Let's just leave it at that. I can't even. I, I'm. I would be very disappointed. Um. I. I badly want to see Colton Sissons out there. Um. And and not Paul Gostad. Um. I, I, Cody Bass. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think that would that would really disappoint me. But is there a better question here? Is is the fourth line? And I'm just throwing this out there. Is the fourth line going to make or break this team because they're so because we're so top heavy? Uh, yes, when, when Bass picks him up and breaks him over his knee, Bane on Batman <laughs> style. That was really well done. I really appreciated that reference. That was actually really well done. Um, man, uh, yeah, that like, actually caught me out of left field so much because like I, I don't actually, make any Batman I love, references. I, I don't follow Batman a whole lot, but that was actually one of the only compelling Batman. Oh, it's, story it's, it's an iconic. It's an iconic. Yeah. Moment. So. Wow, yeah, I'm, I'm having to take a moment to reset here. Um, if, <laughs> it it was, was if this was the Ducks of like 2011, uh, the same Ducks team that was icing a George Peros, uh, Brian McGratton, Yarko Rutu, sure, okay, you can play. I mean, you Cody can go Bass. back further than that. Go back to the um, the 08, 09. The 0, uh, was, what was the year that the uh, it was before the Edge jersey were introduced? Was it 06? Ooh, the 2006. The Ducks. one where Buffalo was supposed to be like the great savior and ended up just. Losing. It was the Senators Ducks. The Senators Ducks uh, Stanley Cup final. So you want to look at that Ducks roster? Yeah. You want to you want to see a, a roster seven of, correct? I can't remember. Oh six oh seven. Yeah. Oh six oh seven. Yeah. Because that featured Pronger, Chris Pronger. Oh, yeah. Uh, Francois Beauchemin. Uh, let's see. Ilya Brzgalov, Todd Fedoric, <laughs> Curtis Glencross. 
Uh, let's see. Chris Kunitz. Okay. Todd Marchant. Brad May. Travis Moen. Okay. SOB. Sean O'Brien. Or Shane O'Brien. George I mean, Peros. Yeah. That was a team built to just destroy everybody. This is Sean Thornton. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Isn't that terrifying? Yeah. This is, this is that, like. That team won a Stanley Cup. This but is, with just brutality. This is Hedley Lamar's band of cutthroats and, and everything from Blazing Saddles. <laughs> and and when it's funny because Randy Carlisle does actually look like Hedley Lamar. I think, okay, here, here's what I mean. Last year with the Blackhawks, their fourth line, are you ready? You probably, you probably remember it, but Brian Bickle, Marcus Kruger, and Ben Smith. Those guys can all play hockey. They can all play hockey. And uh, would you take any of them over Paul Gast- Paul Gosted? Probably Smith was traded any, for oh, um, yeah, literally any of them. Smith I mean, was traded for uh, I think Desjardins. But I mean, I, the, but yeah, he could the, also the play The quality hockey. of their yeah. top three lines was what did it. I mean, they had Teravainen was on the third line. Yeah, and they're, they're a team that's built to where that they're going to have a decent center on every line for every year going oh, forward right. for the next like five or six yeah. years. If you're at the position where where you're debating your teams fourth line to see if it's you're that means you're in a good spot yes but here's where i do think that it will make a difference against the anaheim ducks is that nashville deploys their fourth line almost exclusively in their own defensive zone like with the when gostad's out there so you have to have guys that can go out there and skate and can't get out of their own zone because otherwise the ducks are just going to roll out there with getzlav and perry pin you in and score so i mean it's that means it's you're going to be a position where if you're going to put a gostad bass line on the ice the defensive pairing behind him is going to have to be a pair of guys who can get the puck out of the zone. And that won't happen because and there's no way they're going to roll out so, there yeah, at Coleman Ellis uh, right. with, with Gostad. During the doldrums of the Predators season, what did what was the most frustrating thing? For me, it was watching the fourth line in a bad def- in a mediocre defensive pairing get pinned in the na- in natural zone over and over and over and over and over again. It was sad. And the second they put personnel on the ice on the fourth line who were not going to get pinned in the zone, who were going to create movement out of the zone to have the zone exits make something happen that problem alleviated the team improved you cannot spend even if it's just seven minutes a night you cannot spend seven minutes a night pinned in your own zone because you need character guys out there mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense we all like taylor beck a whole lot but i think yeah. part of the reason why we like taylor beck is because he wasn't eric nystrom yes the moment that it was beck and bork on the fourth line it at least it was at least expiring to see them get out of their own zone. Yeah, going from like a negative ten to a negative eight is a still an improvement. That was found money. Yeah, I mean, that's that's <laughs> the thing. When you when you have less of a bad thing, it seems like a good thing until you realize that there are actual good things out there. Taylor Beck was a correct penalty call away from being an overtime hero in game one. So <laughs> you're you're in charge of the fourth line. Okay. That is your you are co- fourth line coach. Who, right. do, who do you roll out there on Friday? Sissons, Watson, Salamaki. That, next question. That's exactly what I would do. Yeah, I mean, we're all in a but on that one. you don't have five million dollars in you know invested in those players. So it's the playoffs. Know, no one's getting paid anymore. Technically, <laughs> not only that, but this is what successful yeah. companies do. When you make a mistake, you own it and you move yeah. in another direction. Are they willing to do that? But but here's the thing. Here's the big thing. It, we the these regular season is over. The salary cap no longer applies. Players are, are are paid on an 82 game contract. There are bonuses. Some players have bonuses for the Stanley Cup, but basically it's like unpaid. 
I don't think that truly matters as far as like. Well, the, but I mean, the mentality of we're paying this guy five yeah. million. Well, no, you've paid him five million. You've paid these guys five million dollars. That's over. Mm-hmm. That money is gone. Do not you if you if you focus on that cost that's already behind you, you're making a huge mistake. And on this bracket, I'm on different than the uh, Central Division bracket, the Pacific bracket. These teams all hold on to the puck well, and the idea that you're going to roll out somebody who cannot play with the puck is borderline asinine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next question, man. That was good. That sounds so resigned, Alex. Uh, Rachel Freeman writes in, uh, with this long rest, do they come out blazing or do they fizzle? I think the long rest does benefit Anaheim because they had more injuries. Yeah. But at the same time, you have Rene who's going to have a week off. Yeah, Rene does. I, I think for the most of the Predators, they're probably fine if it, they started right away. I think Rene, he does well. He, he is served well by time off. He needs that break. He may have a rusty first period, but after that. Let's, you know, I, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, but he'll be in he'll be in Southern Florida. It'll be beautiful. California. Did I say Florida? Yeah. You oh, did. Southern Southern California. Wow. Are they not the same? Sorry to the entire. Fo- no, man. <laughs> as someone as they say, as someone who's been to both regions of the country, I could say I drastically prefer one over the other. Mm-hmm. And it's not Florida. Right. Right. Uh, I think I think it does benefit <laughs> the. Uh, I, I think it benefits Anaheim a little bit more, but ultimately, when you're talking about five, four or five days off for both teams, it, it's basically like a, a wash. I think I think both teams will be rested. Um, there's other questions about whether or not this will even improve our goaltending situation, but we can get to that later. Lincoln Vamos writes in, uh, which line will focus? Or which line will the teams focus on defensively? Uh, he's asking about. Um, let's see here. He asked, he asked, he kind of, we asked, I, truth be told, this, we put this out there before we knew we were going to play in the Kings or the Ducks. Um, Hampus Lundholm and uh, Cam Fowler the, are their top defensive pairing, so I'm going to substitute that in. If you're the Ducks, um, who would you focus, If you would you would who would you put out your top defensive line unit with? You have your Kessler and Silverberg and Cogliano, and you also have Hampus Lundholm and uh, Cam Fowler's their top defensive pairing. Do you think they're going to see more time against Ryan Johansson's line or Mike Ribeiro's line? So we're talking about Anaheim's defense versus the, the Predators' offense. forwards. Yeah. Ooh. So I, I am I am very quickly pulling up uh, left wing lock. Yeah. Uh, to look at some to to see how who they actually to see the kind of the rollout. I would. Here's what I would do. I I would probably go Clayton Stoner with whoever he's going with. I guess well, who would that be? Sammy Vatnin. Vatnin. Um with the Ribeiro line uh, because I suppose you just concede possession and try to try to force them into the outside. Well, yeah, you've got physicality. I mean, Ribeiro is, right. is going to be pushed around. Right. And Smith is, is, I mean, he's a, I would say he's an average sized hockey player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Forsberg's going to fight back. Yeah. Um, he's going to, he, he could butt check oh, Clayton Stoner. I just had a vision of a Forsberg butt check into, into Clayton Stoner. It's going to be beautiful. Oof. Alex and I had the same fantasy at the same time. <laughs> Nothing's going to beat the butt check you put on Boone Jenner. But <laughs> butt check on Boone Jenner. The bo- yeah, yeah. It, it broke his stick, man. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think you're really going to want a guy like, um, like, like Fowler trying to get in the ice when he's going to have more offensive opportunities. That may be against the Johansson line because they're not as great defensively, even though Yarncroke and Neal are both very good defensive yeah, players. Yeah. Um, it's that's going to be really interesting to see, because uh, I you know I, I've seen it's been so long and here's the problem it's been so long since I've seen the Ducks Predators and I know I'm sure we'll talk about that later that it's hard to know how di- it's going to be so different than last time I I, I probably go in here and and pull open what those lines were here I actually it's right here 
So National Predators tw- uh, 11-1, 2015. I mean, it, they had they had Andrew Cogliano, like in in Jakob Silverberg. And, I mean, it's just it's totally different. They had St- Stoner and Vatnin. Bieksa was playing with 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 right. Hampus Lindholm. I mean. It's, yeah, a it's a different world. It's totally a different, different world. world. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I can I say that my favorite Anaheim Duck defenseman is Corbinian Holzer because it sounds the name because it sounds like a a beer it like, like a weapon. You know, yeah. my favorite Anaheim Ducks defenseman is Chris Pronger. He's also my favorite <laughs> Flyers he's, defenseman. He's also my favorite Coyotes defenseman. It's cool <laughs> seeing him at the All Star game. He's, he's number glad. one, number one Coyotes defenseman of all time. I'm glad to know the Coyotes did send somebody technically. Uh, <laughs> circle back around here. Uh, R.J. O'Connell writes in: What advantage would this team's, uh, would this year's team have over the uh, 2005 and two five and six and the uh, 06 07 teams, and what weaknesses? So we're comparing this team against the most successful Predators teams of all time in the regular season. Mm. So I, I did some I did some research in that area. Um, th- those teams benefited immensely from the changes after the lockout and and. That's really all you need to say. I mean, they got huge. Their increase in scoring production went through the roof, but it didn't lead to much because everybody's scoring went up. So people think of that yeah. Predators, those two Predators teams, as being like the quintessential. Oh, those those were really good. But we we in general, a lot of a lot of teams saw scoring increase, and that's what we think of as mm-hmm. as as long Predators fans. We think of oh, when were we actually scoring goals? Oh, back in 05 and 06 and 06 and 07. But every but that that's only because the the league changed. I mean, those were those were chaotic years. I mean, that was you had you had a bad Edmonton Oilers team playing a bad Carolina Hurricanes team one year, and then you had that weird Ducks Senators one the year after. I mean, those were absolutely bonkers. But if you look on paper, that Predators team for their top four defensemen. If you remember this, it was Zidlicki, Timonen, Suter, Weber. Mm-hmm. That was your top four. That I, is a really good top four. That's I, incredible but, top four. I, I think. I mean, I think the top four now is is. I think the top four now is bet, much better, substantially better than the top four then. And Bokum was playing I mean, better. Weber and Suter were still coming into their own. They were not at their maximum full strength. No. Zidlicki, Zidlicki. Yeah. I've never been terribly fond of him. I know he was kind of beloved for a while in Nashville. And I came, he, and then people turned on him. I kind of came no. into the whole thing late. Um, I was never super impressed. Um, Timonen's Timonen. Timonen is a fantastic defenseman, um, and he was—I mean, clearly the best defenseman on the team at the time. I was—I mean, was Greg Zanin skate dressing at that point? Was yeah, he, he was. Yeah, and Greg Zanin is like—I mean, when people talk about turnstiles. I mean, he was basically the goal was to get him to just have another skater push him over so that he would fall in front of a puck or something. Yeah, like you wanted him to be the root that that trips you up in the forest. That's the best you could hope for from Greg Zanin. Um, so I, this team skates a hell of a lot better. Like than that team looking could. looking at the names now, looking backwards, you're like, oh, that's a really really good deal. Well, two of them were like baby chicks, and they were going to be very good. We knew that they were like 22 and 23 at the time. Well, but they were still getting yeah, into the, the team. Right. They it hadn't takes longer yet. for de- for defensemen to develop. Yeah. Yes, um, that's why people should be more impressed with Jones than they were. Um, I'm going to throw some shade at people for that for no reason. <laughs> yeah, take that. Uh, but I, I think it's I think it's a little deceptive. I think there's some clouds, you know, some fuzzy nostalgia, you know, some Vaseline smearing the mental lens of your mind. Um, it's weirdly poetic. Uh, <laughs> But I think I think looking now, I, I just think the top four defense defensive uh, defensemen are so much drastically better overall. I mean, Weber is a dominant defenseman. Yossi is all world elite, 
Ellis and Eckholm are just so solid, so tight, so dynamic. They bring so much to the ice. It's just it's a treat to watch them play. And the top six this year, there's only one guy that's over 30. That team, you had Jason Arnett, you had Paul Correa, you had a uh, yeah. Steve Sullivan, <clears throat> J.P. Dumont. All those guys were right around kind of like past their getting towards their peak, if not past their peak. So this, those, those teams were a lot of fun to watch, but that, I don't know that they were built no well. Uh, let's we'll go here. Um, this is a uh, no. I'm going to save this guy's question to the end because it's master's level thesis, and that may be like our or maybe like our <laughs> weekly award of like don't our, worry, Dan, I'm on our it. master's thesis question of the week. I'm ready for it. Uh, Brett Carrot Meeks writes in. This will be quick. Um, what playoff antics should they bring in? Like smoke machine after a goal, or Tim McGraw singing after a goal? How about a Stanley Cup? Talking about like just you know stuff in the arena that happens after something like after a goal or something. Stanley Cup after uh, a goal after some big stuff. Better after a goal. lighting. <laughs> better lighting. I uh, want better band music. Unless it's Dennis K. Morgan riding the uh, predator gotta, head how, down the middle how, of the ice. How about a live band playing the playing goals music after the, after the predator score? Okay, like yeah, I'm okay with that. I don't know. I mean, I I'm I think they'll have their celebrity appearances. <laughs> I think they'll have some people Z-list celebrities. Yeah, right. Guys, it's Sting. This what? one guy from that Nashville show is here. Look at him. <laughs> the guy from Kansas. <laughs> I think you mean the guy from Whose Lies It Anyway. The guy who's actually from the state of Kansas. Which guy? Uh, Ch- uh, Charles Eston? No, Charles Eston's dad, man. Eston. Chip Eston? I don't know. The I'm guy not- from Who's in Nashville who used to be in Whose Lies Anyway? I wasn't even aware he was on Whose Line. Yeah, he was one of the main guys. Oh. Like he no, he was sorry. He was one of the rotating cast. I was about to say he wasn't right. No, 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 he wasn't one of the main guys. He was he was a regular Brady. rotating okay. cast member. He was for, the fourth guy. Anyway. He, yeah, he was often the fourth guy coming in. Okay, got it. Yeah, he yeah they needed so he'll second, be there. Yeah, right? they needed a second guy who could sing because they only had Wayne Brady, um, and so they they how had dare him. you doubt the musical talents of Colin Mockery? <laughs> 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 yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, people. I don't know why people don't talk about that more. But yeah, so he's going to be there at the Predators game. Inevitably, sure. Uh, I mean, we talked enough about how we've been underwhelmed by the Predators in-game production, but they did some laser light stuff, you know, some, like, on-ice projection they things. They did on-ice projection, yeah. They'll, I mean, that was something. They'll probably rent those and hang those back. They got plenty of time for that. How, yeah. Question, though. Did you see the intro for the f- season home finale? Um, like, I think I got the, my seat rise that was going on. I, I missed it. How? Man, okay, you didn't miss it. You just you weren't in the arena when it happened. Right. It looked like like this looks like every Carolina Hurricanes intro I've ever seen because it's like Ric Flair. No, no, as in like Carolina Hurricanes intros always show just the fans all having a great time. Oh, I did catch that. As in yes. like, don't worry about the product in the ice. This is all just you yeah. know everyone's just having a great time. No one thinks about hockey when you can smell fresh barbecue. And we were the first star of the night. Yeah, I walk as soon as they I'm do that re- every year. Though. I I'm, know. I'm actually standing and waiting to hear them announce the three stars. The, fir- the third star, oh, okay. Nashville Predators coaches. I'm like, I'm leaving. Screw <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that. Right, yeah. Um, and then Shea Weber comes out and gives a, uh, y'all were great. Y'all were Thanks. Great. Thanks, we'll see y'all later. <laughs> it's like, the, the, the Weber wave gift from the All-Star game, from <laughs> yeah. the one All-Star game. It's never going to go away. Just a robot. <laughs> like, I just have to think that someone's like, you know what be funny? Is it when they say your name, you just act like you, you're not even a human being, and he's just did it. I, is, I can't help he but he cracks think it's a, a joke. smile like right as soon as the camera goes over. Yeah, to Yeah, I've always too. thought that had to just be a great little joke. That is a pretty great gift. Jacob Siebert writes in: uh, What are the chances of a run? Or are the Predators still a year or two out from? Well, out I think for they're the, already uh, under movement, sanctions. Still, youth right? movement to be uh, completed. <laughs> <laughs> I said a run. What about a run? 
Are the predators? I, I wasn't sure that's where he was going. With what that? are the chances of a run? As in, when teams win more than one round in the playoffs, this is considered a Dan. playoff run. Anger Dan. For instance, right now, even though their season is an absolute garbage fire, Everton are on a cup run because they have a mathematical chance. Oh God, Dan's of broken. An He's cup. broken. I'm even, broken do- Dan. I'm even doing the whole pines lean over here. If you have, if I know, like three people will get that joke. <laughs> I've lost all focus now. I need to regain myself. Can they make a run is your yeah, question. Can, can they make a playoff yes, run? Yes, absolutely. Do you think that they have a better chance in this bracket than they would in, let's say, like the Central? Or definitely. Or oh, definitely have a better chance. Yeah. I think that they benefit from two uh, automatically after the round one, if they get by Anaheim, two Central Division opponents are gone. And then they would take on probably the Stars. Is that correct? Is no, that they would, they, would play the, they would play probably the Kings next round, which Kings okay. are damn good. And then after that... Then it would be the, prob- be the probably the stars yeah. or whoever comes out of the central. Correct. Yeah, well, because because the world is a dark and cruel place, I imagine that the worst scenario Western Conference final would be Nashville Minnesota, because that should never happen. Oh, that'd be the best scenario, man. No, no, I mean for the universe, the universe would just. I don't cry. give a damn about the universe, man. I'm a regional supremacist. All right, <laughs> everything south, everything north of the Ohio River can burn for all I care. All right, I really That's, don't give a damn. Everything. Where, pret- where do we get pretzels then? So, I can I can make you a biscuit and slather it in like butter and salt and lie to you, man. That that's that works for me fine. I really think that uh, that the mental image of Ryan Suter having to shake like you know Peter Laviolette's hand before he sulks off and 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 does this pouty interview with Russo for like the eighty fifth time this year is just too much to pass up, man. Yeah, but just just to confirm. There's no way it's happening because there's no way the Wild are going to win a round. Oh, hell! I, I don't know. The Stars, I think, are, the, are a good matchup for them on this. The Stars and the Blackhawks were the best matchups for Minnesota. The Minnesota had a great great year against uh, Chicago in the regular season. Not that it's the regular season. It doesn't really matter. But they can play this really bizarre style. They're like Syracuse basketball. They can play like this 2-3 matchup zone that no one's used to seeing during the regular mm-hmm. season. That is true. I'm glad you broke it down to basketball for me so I could follow. Great. W- which player on the wild is the one that can actually g- go crazy and score for them? Mike Thomas Yo. Vanek? It's Mike Yo. I wouldn't bet on Vanek being that guy. Come on. I'm, I'm, I made a very bad, poor taste joke about gambling. Oh, I thought that was a mic drop moment. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, Link's giving me like this look like I'm a terrible person that's going to be like a. <laughs> Did I miss a news story? <laughs> Didn't know Thomas Vanek had a problem with gambling at one point? No, I didn't. Oh, my goodness. Shuff is right. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> he wasn't in the archives researching news from however long ago. It's like it happened last week. Damn it. Yeah, All right. No, master's level thesis question goes to uh, Ken, aka Press to the Cap. For this year's Predators team. Would you rather have in the playoffs on defense Roman Yossi or Eric Carlson? That's a good question. I'm going to break my own heart here. Oh no! It's it's going to be Eric Carlson. I mean, there there are a handful of defensemen that I would want over Roman Yossi. It's a very very short list, and it is PK Subban. It is Carlson. That's I, it. I don't maybe, even. Maybe in a few years it'll be Ghost Bear, but I think my list is even sh- shorter. I think if you had said basically any other defenseman other than Carlson, I probably would have said no. Not Drew Doughty, not Klingberg, not um, well anybody. <laughs> I would rather have Roman Yossi for one reason. 
Roman Yossi's left-handed. Carlson's right-handed. Yeah. We, we, we've seen this movie before, people. Yes, we have. <laughs> Did you just compare Eric Carlson to Cody Franzen? Uh, they do have something in common. Um, they're both right-handed. Uh, I'm sure David Poyle is now aware of this. I, I would imagine that a defen- the defenseman that is as talented as Eric Carlson could overcome and figure out how to play on a different side. I completely forgot that that happened. Yeah, Mind Bleach is wonderful. Yeah, I, that's I, the, that's my sole. Reason. I mean, if we're talking about Shea Weber, Eric Carlson, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if uh, yeah. if like if you say, do you want this player or this clearly better player? And like the thing you have against them is that they write with the diff with a different hand. I'm going to tell you to stop being absurd. Well, what if it's on a dry player. erase board? Because <laughs> that's what this is. The players who are dry erase board. No, you when the you're saying when you're talking board. about riding on a riding on a both right with the oh with the you're same like hand. like like on the board where they have the little well everyone uses iPads now so it doesn't matter this is true but if you're talking about if we're but I'm just saying hockey would be more of like you're riding on a dry erase board because if you're left-handed you're riding it smeared just, well you got to get dirty to win the playoffs there you go you gotta get <laughs> gotta get gritty and dirty you gotta you gotta play your goss dads and Cody passes of the world at that point. You know, la- Alex, last week was your first show, and, and Dan and I were downright amicable. Now you're seeing us get a little get a little contentious. <laughs> uh, this is actually one of the most fun uh, fun shows I think I've already I w- done. I would like I would like to go on the record as saying that I, I I am picking the Carlson route, but I would strongly suggest that we edit that out later on when uh, Yossi does crazy things in the playoffs. Did you okay? Real quick, uh, Pete Weber on SoundCloud. If you're if you're following us and listening to us on SoundCloud, Pete Weber's SoundCloud page is actually very very good, and he actually mixed his own highlights of the uh, Predator season so far. Oh, I got and like to that. his one of his first highlights is Yossi's goal where he schools Carlson, and he calls it that way. That's that's like, that goal right was by great. Eric Carlson. I mean, it's it's that's a great. fantastic call. So he's a he's a great play by play man. He is he was a treasure. All time great. Absolute mm-hmm. treasure. On the other side of the break, we're gonna have some uh questions in the comments section. We're gonna break down the rest of the playoffs and we got some stuff around the NHL to NHL news as well that's gonna make Link smile so he's gonna get a new dimple. He's gonna smile so big. This is the Predcast brought to you by Lion's Own Internet Marketing Solutions. These days you need a partner current and latest website design standards. One that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing, like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999. Wake up, fellas, Welcome back in. I'm going to start off with the uh, comment section questions. Uh, apologies if some of these are uh, aimed kind of neutral at both LA and Anaheim because a lot of these we got on Sunday, but uh, we ended up holding off recording until today. That way, so we can spend more time breaking down 
Anaheim Ducks. So without further ado, let's get into it. Um, User Monster writes in, let's see here. I thought we called him by his name. Oh, is that no, someone else? No, that, 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 that was George. That that's, was George. that's someone else. Yeah. I, forgive me, George. Here we go here. He, he's asking about Ducks or Kings, so I'll disregard that one. Ducks. Next question. <laughs> Should Milwaukee finish the playoffs before us? As in, if, Milwaukee, if the Milwaukee Admirals, even though they just won the Central Division, congratulations to them. Yes. If they are eliminated from the, the uh, Calder Division. Cup playoffs uh, before Nashville is eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs, who from Milwaukee should we put on our ice? Uh, put on our put on the ice and maybe call up him up as a just a you know postseason call up or. I mean, there's a, any number of players that could be brought up in sort of the you know maybe a late staggered black ace type role where they're just kind of kind of be with the team, train with the team. I don't know if there's anyone from Milwaukee I would expect to come and make any sort of immediate impact. I mean, there's maybe an argument, though I don't see it happening, of being like, oh, hey, let's let's get Mazenix or, or Soros to come sit in the bench. But I think that's not how hockey works. That's not how hockey people think. Um, so I, I don't see that happening. But you're going to have... I think it, it would be in the Predators' best interest to have a guy like Fiala just hang out with the team and stay in Nashville for a little bit longer and practice with the coaches. Fiala, um, Kamenev. Yeah, any of any of the European players, Oberg, I think it'd be good to have Saros. them stick around um, and just spend more time, especially the ones who are really new to North America. Yep. I think I think it'd be, would be smart. I, I, what's Trennan doing? I'm sorry. What's what's happened with Trennan? Like is uh, he, he's in the he's in the queue. He's in the Quebec league. So he's, he, but he's still alive. He's in juniors, They're yeah. still playing. Yeah. Well, because I, I know the season ends. Sometimes they'll they'll come up. Yeah, he's still uh, they're still alive, I believe. Okay, and, uh, so, sorry, yeah, that's all right. My my first thought was Soros or Mazenich. Um, that was that was my first thought, but again, I don't see that happening. Um, I would I would probably look at Pontus Auberg and and see about. Well, I mean, again, this is just all kind of. You mentioned this last week. Top six injury, you call up a top top six player. Bottom six injury, you call up a bottom six player. Where does Auberg fit in that? I mean, he's almost a middle four, a middle middle six player. I mean, he he is kind of he has the skills to be that in that top six, but it'd have to be a pretty big injury. I think he he'd be a good replacement, sort of uh, Arvidsson. Um, maybe if, if something happened there, or if he wasn't playing well, or if there was some sort of if you tried to retool the fourth line in some way. Yeah, I I could, you know, now that I think about it, I could see uh, maybe a really uh, like a young hungry player bump Wilson from the lineup if Wilson kind of isn't contributing that might be a thing that can happen I mean why not why not take why not give Fiala a run out he seems to do well in his first games after call-ups or injuries I mean if the, yeah, he says injuries. even though he says you know injuries aren't a aren't a factor well injuries are a factor if you get it pat if you get past the uh who said injuries aren't a factor uh, well, he's he wanted injuries to disqualify from the question oh, oh. oh I missed but that. Uh, I thought that was a quote from like a coach I'm like wait what no uh, but to answer your question about uh, Yakov Trenin, who was still one of my favorite names in all of <laughs> in all of sports, Yakov. There aren't too many Yakovs out there. Uh, Gatineau is a tied right now one to one with Moncton with uh, game three on Tuesday night. Uh, only like half of those are words. Yeah, Gato Montong. Gatineau. Gatineau and Moncton. I mean, there's like a cake and some kind of cheese. <laughs> oh boy, uh, not touching that one. Munster cheese, Moncton. I don't know. It's 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 not Moncton is not a good Moncton is in uh, Nova Scotia. Gatineau is in Quebec. Oh, I know where Gatineau is. You didn't you Monk, you didn't know what Moncton was, man. Come on, you not watch Trailer Park Boys? I I, I had a Tory friend, Velvet Smooth. My uh, my friend Jeff um, 
got me to watch a few episodes. Um, it was not. It did not catch me. The first season sucks. Okay, but still, um, it's it's definitely an acquired taste. I got into it for a little bit. There was a, I went through a a trend there, but I haven't watched it in a while. I made it like three episodes. I made two and a half episodes. And I'm like, you know, we just have to stop. I cannot watch. It this. is literally one of them. After you watch it for a while, you really get depressed. Like, wow, I wonder if these people really exist. And we then, live we live in the South. Yes, yeah. we know these people exist. Yeah, even though it takes place. In Have you been to North Maine? North Maine is, <laughs> is South Georgia. <laughs> wow. They don't have any like Knights of the Confederacy billboards in North Maine. I hope. <laughs> Albany, Georgia is like my least favorite place on earth. Uh, question from Herzostein uh, writes in. Uh, okay, fourth line. I'm going dis- to disregard the fourth line question. Uh, honest, like Laviola has disregarded the fourth line. Honest expectations <laughs> of how we will do in the playoffs. And that's fair enough. I think we can give that at fine. least without giving away any predictions because we're no still predictions. They'll do yet. fine. They'll do fine. They won't embarrass the. They won't embarrass no, us. And and honestly, I mean, the Ducks are a good matchup for the Predators. I'm not going to go into detail. The Ducks are a good matchup. Um, you know, I, I think that the Predators have the capability to grind it out. I just there's there's some factors that worry me. I mean, the bottom defensive pairing. Uh, can be a little shaky at times, I think. Uh, they need to grind out a few wins, uh, consistent scoring. I mean, things that most every other team have to worry about, the Preds will have to worry about. Uh, I, I think the biggest variable is going to be how well does Pecorine play. And that's going to be a major determining factor. Can can the Predators protect that from happening? Protect a complete just uh, ugliness in goal. Can, can they protect that from happening? If they can, everything's great. Because I think they can beat the Ducks up and down the ice, I really do. But it just it just comes back to the the pipes. Can can they protect Rene so he doesn't have to do as much as he needs to do and and just be just decent, just be adequate in goal. Don't don't be you don't need to be 2011, 12 Rene. You just be, be Anthony Emmy. Just be adequate. Be, just be, be Corey, Anthony Emmy. Be Corey Crawford. Be Anthony Emmy. Corey Crawford, who actually Crawford. has the the best overall uh, goalie stats across the entire season. Yeah, well, it's about playoff Corey five, Crawford. Uh, well, he's just fine. Right. That's, I was actually surprised you didn't see Claire Austin had her her um, trying to rank for for the uh, Vesna and did it based on like a whole bunch of like the five on five adjusted and uh, PK Sabers and there I think there were five factors and like Corey Crawford was like ranked number one overall. Which surprised me. No, I mean, he's he's actually, if anything, he's kind of a late bloomer. I mean, he's, he's been the last two or three years, he's much better than what he was two or three years ago. He's taken drastic steps forward. Um, but I think you guys hit the nail on the head. It's it's this, if nothing else, this is a litmus test for Pecorini to show what he has left. Um, there's not really any real excuse for. He's literally the one variable in this team that I worry about. I don't worry about scoring. The first line can get it done. The second line can get it done. The third line's out there is kind of as a like a matchup line. You can throw out Fisher and Wilson either side of the Wilson ice. Wilson may score a goal in the playoffs. Who knows? And mm-hmm. he may score another goal. Who knows? <laughs> and then you, I don't worry about the defense pairings. You know, you've got a good top four. You've got Barrett Jackman on the last pair, who's just going to be Barrett Jackman. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. The problem I'm worried about is just we've seen Pecorini in the playoffs get outdueled by Scott Darling and guys like Mike Smith. Pecorini is being paid seven million dollars a year. At some point, we're going to have to look at this and realize that, you know what, the Ducks are going to the Ducks who if the Ducks beat them in the playoffs this year, he's going to get outdueled by Freddie Anderson and or John Gibson. 
two guys that are barely old enough to buy beer. And, and the rumor, the, the the current rumor I've seen is that Gibson is expected to start. Even though Anderson apparently is healthy enough to start against the the Caps, Gibson's going to, I've heard that as well, where Gibson's going to be the guy. Either way. Um, Wouldn't you take, I mean, I would take either one of those. I wouldn't take him over Rene just, just for the sake of being contrarian, but at the same time, like, you know what? If 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 we're not talking about a playoff series, if they're going to make a trade, yes, mm-hmm. I'd make that trade. But you know, it's it's just bothersome knowing that you have a seven million dollar guy that you're not really sure about in net because of the season he's had. Who who is the goal? The the goal. Um, sorry, at the Avalanche. Yeah. That 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 tough angle shot that just squeezed in was it Bodker? No. Yeah, Bodker scored. Um, well, was was it Bodker? I'll have to look that up. It, either way, I think that's a great example of of what we're talking about. That is that should not be a goal. That was a Ginla, I believe. Was it a Ginla? The Ginla that scored in the uh, was it like kind of a scrum play? No, I'm talking. It was a sharp angle goal that was squeezed. I think it, it was squeezed Bodker. in on the near. I think post. it was Bodker. And it was just. I mean, that is a, a perfect example of the type of goal that can't that this just can't go in. I mean, like that. There's no reason that that book. Now, the other side of it is perhaps that's just incredibly bad luck because you put up a lot of goaltenders against that. They're, most of them are going to stop it. Sometimes just things happen. But this year and he has a bounce in. This year he has not earned the benefit of the doubt just to say it's bad luck. Right. Though. No, you're right. When he when your safe percentage is under ninety one percent for the you know for the regular season, that's that's not acceptable. Now we all like Pecorino. He seems like a great guy. I personally would love to sit around just you know crack open a beer with him and just you know chill an afternoon on the porch or something, but. And as far as his his what he's put up this year, it's been disappointing. And but none of this matters now because now he has a chance to finally exercise some demons. And if nothing else, just went around, man. Take a big zamboni to that regular season record. Yep, goes away. Goes just away. it literally does not matter at this point. Nothing matters. This has been the podcast and on the forecheck. No, this is <laughs> this is that uh, this is that uh, space science fiction. Everything's just fine. That's oh yeah, from the uh, the. Uh, we got so many yeah. comments on that. Did this, did we really? Yeah. How did I miss that? Uh, I got just people talking to me at work. Just thought that was the funniest. Oh, intro. okay. As I, I cut that up and put that as the intro for the next week. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh. And they, yeah, it was. It went over very well. Uh, thanks for playing. Writes in and wants to know if the refs are biased against Southern teams. They're not. They're not. What? Uh, as clearly evidenced by, um, clearly evidenced by the, um, um, you know. In fact, there's no Canadian teams in the playoffs right now. Tim Peel is going to be in the playoffs. How about that? He always is in the playoffs. He gets cut off to the first round. He he will happen this he year. He wasn't in last year. He this is he's it's his first year back in two years. But I thought he was in. The, I don't know. I but the only reason I bring that up is because um how how can we put odds on him being uh, officiating a mm. series? Oof. I might have to re. I have to might have to to recover and dust off my old Tim Peel novelty account. That was so good. Just a lot of work. I, I mean, have seen, as someone who runs you know, two or three different Twitter accounts myself, yeah, it was... It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, man. <laughs> it is a lot of work. It's very niche, but that's me. Very niche. <laughs> Perfectly. All right. Um, well, let's, you guys want to go and talk about the other series first? You guys want to talk about the Duck series? We got, what do you guys want well, first? I think we should, I mean, in proper media fashion, we should save the Predators Duck series for the last moment. Well, we're gonna do five tough questions, and I'll spoiler question five is regarding the series. So let's, we'll guess, we'll, but we'll go ahead and we'll go back and forth on this. Let's go with the other series first. Um, let's start with the Central. 
Uh, Blues Blackhawks, number two, number three matchup here. St. Louis has the home ice in this one. I'm not sure it's really going to matter. So we talked a bit of in the last couple of weeks about teams that have kind of that one-year window where like the LA Kings this year are built to win it this year. They only have three draft picks this upcoming draft. The St. Louis Blues in a lot of ways are also only built to win about this year and next year. They have a um, a really interesting situation with their captain, David Backus, who is one of the more underappreciated players in the league. I don't appreciate him. I like David Backus. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a weirdo. I like Dustin Brown as well. But David Backus, unrestricted free agent this year. There's a lot of teams are going to be looking for that number one, number two center position just like every other year. And uh, he's probably going to get a good payday out of it. You've got uh, Troy Brower, who's had a very good year, also unrestricted free agent. Jane Schwartz is going to get a nice pay, get a nice uh, pay raise. This is a uh, this is a team that uh, this is their year to make hay. Really, I mean, you've got Tarasenko locked up, you got Stastny locked up for a couple of years. Steen's an unrestricted free agent after next year. Kind of a weird situation with this St. Louis Blues team, but there's a lot of pressure on this team to get it done against Chicago, the team that has, between them and the Kings, have ruined many, many Blues teams over the last half decade or so. So, just from a St. Louis point of view, how much of a shot do you think they got against Chicago? I think they have a great shot, to be honest. And and nothing would delight me more. I I hope it's a short series. I really do. I hope Chicago has has not a, a fraction of the amount of luck that they've had in previous playoffs. I mean, think about what happened last year. They lose Corey Crawford. Duncan Keith comes back from a long injury, and somehow they make it past the Predators with Scott Darling in net. They're, they're not. Th- there's no amount of luck that that they, they they've their luck has to run out. And I think that the Blues are going to do it this year. The amazing thing about luck is it doesn't actually have to run out. It, I mean, it, it, if you flip a quarter a hundred times, you think you're gonna you mm-hmm. expect to get a 50, 50 right. split, or you get a hundred heads. I mean, there's it's literally just it could happen. Um, it could never. Never ever run out. We could be listening to that stupid goal song for all eternity, but not this year. We won't. Uh, I I mean I thinking about the weird thing about the Blackhawks is they have that playoff switch, and they just they save themselves. They're gonna take all their injured and they're going to dunk them into giant tanks of horse placenta, and they're gonna come out fresh and shiny and new, and they're going to just turn it on. Like they do every year, and they've gotten some lucky bounces. Things have gone their way, but that's hockey. That's hockey in general. Mm-hmm. But the Blackhawks have key pieces that go beyond luck. They have just really dynamic, exciting talent uh, that can make a difference. Including when one of those exciting, dynamic pieces of talent is Jonathan Taves, who is also a shutdown two-way player, like a Patrice Bergeron type forward, which is an incredible asset to have your top line center that kind of that kind of guy. Right. Um, so when I look at this series, I see like on paper, I see the blues as being the favorite, but I think that there is, uh, there is something to be said about Joe Quinville, something to be said about the, the system and the mental state of the Chicago teams that make them very, very dangerous in the postseason. Um, whether it be a philosophy or some, or something that they take out into the ice, um, that seems to elevate. I mean, not to mention. I mean, it, somehow the Blues are going to screw up their goaltending situation and completely implode. It's what they do best. This is very true. I, I, th- I do think that the Blues are built. I mean, th- this is uh, essentially the same team as they had last year. Only they met the Minnesota Wild, a team uh, that kind of mirrors them, and we saw what happened there. 
I think that they're built to to beat the Blackhawks. I really do. I think that it starts with their defense. It starts with their goaltending. And if if they can shut down and, and frustrate those top two lines of Chicago, I think they have the depth to to be able to to win that series. And I honestly think that they could win it in four or five games. They're a much bigger team than Chicago. This is one yeah. of the first times that I can remember a, a Chicago team not having a big size advantage. You have guys like Colton Pareko, who's the size of like a compact car. You've got they're actually going to play Ryan Reeves this this series, which uh, we'll get into. A, that's a smart idea or not? But they have the right kind of veterans this year. They're not just like throwing money at guys like Brendan Morrow and Jason Arnott. Cal Brodziak is still like a decent player. Scotty Upshaw is still a decent player. He's not a great player. He's a decent player. But they've got enough. Um, they've got some right. They got some good pieces. They have guys like Troy Brower, who's won a cup before. Having said all that, um, I'll kind of it's one of those things like I'll believe it when I see it. When it comes to the St. Louis Blues being the Chicago Blackhawks, it's unfortunate as it is. And their fans know it too. And the players know it as well. And there's like a mental switch that when teams like like St. Louis, Nashville, and Minnesota play against the Chicago Blackhawks, there's a, a little mental switch that's it's it almost like to the point where you have to go far go far enough in your mind to overcompensate for it. Because the Chicago Blackhawks have gotten it done in so many ways, in so many excruciatingly painful ways, where it just hurts. And I think that's kind of where St. Louis is as well. The same situation that Nashville and Minnesota are in. Sucks. So we're we're all kind of in accord where it's, well, you're, you're saying Blues in four or five. I'm, I'm saying Blues take it, yeah. Blues four or five. Chicago in six. Chicago in six. Uh, yeah, I'll go Chicago in six, even though I know that game's going to be played in St. Louis and it's just going to hurt, but... It is what it is. They are the Cubs of hockey. Uh, Stars versus the Wild. Um, Styles make fights. This is Mike Tyson versus Homer Simpson, like the boxing episode where, you know, Homer has like that fluid in his brain that can't be, you know, that's like impenetrable. The Stars are just going to pick and choose how they want to get into the zone against the Wild. And the Wild can sit, the Wild are actually one of the one teams that are thinking are built to sit back and just not allow the Stars to enter the zone with speed. But having said that, it's Devin Dubnik kind of regressing to the mean and not being the Devin Dubnik we mm-hmm. saw last year. Uh, Minnesota's going to have to score goals. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could remember somebody did a great study on the success on success in the postseason and and what teams do that are the most the teams that are successful and they move on what they do right. Um, I wish I could cite it. I'm I'm feel really bad that I can't. Maybe when I'm talking, this will spark a memory in somebody. But I, I remember the point being that consistent offense is what wins rounds. Teams that go in and play a defense first, defense always sit back type of style, they can grind out wins in the regular season. But in the postseason, when the attacks are coming hard, fast, and constant, it crumbles. You're, you are a wall, and the ocean is going to beat against you, and eventually it's going to give way. It's just a matter of time. And that's what I see happening with Dallas and Minnesota. I think Minnesota, they're going to really hope that Zach Parisi can find what he used to be and drive a counterattack and do just enough to, to help Minnesota claw their way over Dallas. I don't think it's possible, though. Um, I, I think you're, you're going to get good enough goaltending in Dallas to keep the Wild at bay because they don't have a ton of shooting talent. But I think just the sheer onslaught that is Dallas coming going forward is going to just crush them. I concur with both of you. I, I I think Dallas Dallas wins this. I would not be shocked if the Wild win the first game. I wouldn't be shocked because I, I feel like Dallas has 
coming in as the favorite, um, they they finished on a pretty nice roll after kind of dropping off a little bit. And I wouldn't be shocked if they uh, if if the Wild win the first game and then the Stars crush them in four more games. I, I have them. I have Dallas winning in five as well. Mm-hmm. I think Dallas in five. I, I I'm on board with yeah. that. Uh, Los Angeles Kings versus San Jose Sharks, two versus three. This, this is this is all heart for me. This is all heart. There oh. is no reason for me to believe this because the Kings are such a good, consistent, thorough, top-to-bottom team. They have amazing pieces. They have one of the best coaches in, in the league. But by God, do I want to see the Sharks win. I have a, I admittedly, it's, it's kind of, it, it's... I know Predators fans and Predators whatever aren't supposed to be in. I like the Sharks. I have nothing against as a team, the as a group of just great folks. I like the Sharks. I want them to be successful. Uh, so this is me saying I think they're a weaker team. I think they have to get really lucky, but I really want to see the Sharks win. So that is that is my entirely biased stance. I think the Kings win it pretty easily. They do, but the Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right, Alex. But the, the, I know that the narrative is that the that the uh, the Kings are the stronger team, the Sharks the weaker team. But when you look at how good that Sharks lineup, if they really yeah. want to distribute out their top three lines, they could put out a guy who's scored thirty or forty goals on every on all three of their top lines if they really wanted to. Yeah, but Joe Thornton can only play on one of those lines, Dan. Joe Thornton is the guy who literally makes that in- literally stirs that entire drink that is the San Jose Sharks. I drink that drink. Yeah, it's a delicious <laughs> drink. Even though it's kind of weird because all of his because of his beard this year, but uh, <laughs> no, I I really want to see the San Jose Sharks have success with Thornton. Is it? And I didn't feel this way two or three years ago. I'll openly admit I did not feel. I have not always felt this way about the San Jose Sharks. But the honestly, the All Star Game I think changed a lot of it for me because you realize that Joe Pavelski and Brent Burns and Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe. Great group of guys. Great group of guys that have been together for so long. They have this amazing chemistry with one another. You never hear about, I mean, the stuff you heard about going on in the Sharks locker room, that was all just Jeremy Roenick being Jeremy Roenick for the most part. <laughs> and uh, you haven't even mentioned the best Shark, Joel Ward. Yeah, Joel Ward. I mean, who, who, pull, who can pull against that guy? But that's a locker room that... Those jabber jaws, the best Shark. I, um... <laughs> wow. Are they going to roll James Reimer? Is that who they're that's, going? That's what, that was a good question. Is that uh, are they going to roll James Reimer or um, or Martin Jones? I think you got to go Reimer in that. I, I, he's certainly been playing a lot better than Martin I don't Jones. Just, I don't like the idea of rolling a uh, of rolling Martin Jones, who was the Kings' backup last year against the LA Kings. Yeah. I don't think that's a smart smart uh, move there. Um, Prediction: This one, I have the Sharks in seven because I. It's <laughs> no, not. You it's, don't. I do. It's right here. It's on. <laughs> you want to here? It's right. Sharks in seven. Right here. It's written it's, down. This is Sharks in seven. I wrote this like an like it an is, hour and a half ago. It is written down. It and, is written. Look, look what it says. And wait, it says it says emotional pick. <laughs> I wrote That's that an okay. hour and a half ago. That we accept that. Uh, I'm gonna go Kings and six just because it's Dan. I, you're I'm, right. That's a good. I'm that's a good choice. Di- I'm ride or die that's with a good the choice. Kings. I'm good with Kings and six. That's also a good yeah. choice. You're both wrong, but but you're right. <laughs> you know, it's gonna it's reality. Let's go to the East. Uh, yeah, let's go to the East. Caps and Flyers. Let's get it out of the way. Oh, it's only, you think it's this bad thing? You don't know, Ken. You don't. Fine, 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 fine. We're gonna go. <laughs> we're go. We're gonna go. Pins versus no. Let's go. The, let's go the Atlantic first. Panthers Islanders. Yeah, the, I am so excited. Your Atlantic matchup. Division champion, Florida Panthers. Um, okay, so the Islanders have had a quietly mediocre se- season, which is not a great way to go into the playoffs. It could, I mean, they could really succeed in the national stage. I just wonder if they are having 
some adjustment and identity issues. Uh, I, I know we've talked a little bit in the past about how uh, the Islanders have to they they practice some they practice out in a totally different area than they play. They bust into Brooklyn. No one really is attached. There's not really a sense of community, um, a sense of culture they're building off of, and it, I think it's shown a little bit this year. Not huge, but I think it's shown uh, a little bit. Also, regression. I, I think uh, I don't have a ton of faith in the Islanders, whereas the Panthers, you know. It's the Florida Panthers. I mean, it's it's Yager, it's Luongo, it's Barkov, it's Ekblad, Huberdeau, Bukestad. I mean, it's Trocek. all these guys that are just having a ton of fun uh, playing improved hockey. I mean, since this trade deadline, the team has turned around their possession numbers. They're possessing the puck better. You got Bobby Lou in goal. They're preventing goal. I mean, you have one of the best goaltenders of our generation playing. But that te- you're right. The Teddy Purcell and bringing him in and uh, bringing Yuri Hoodler. Yeah. But the size and the size that uh, that those guys don't have, Nick Bukestad yeah. makes up for hey, that. What is the one thing I love to say about the trade deadline? You do not add flashy players at the trade deadline. You add depth players that improve your team incrementally, and that's what the Panthers did. And it's shown on the ice, and their team philosophy has changed up. I think that they are going to be uh, seeing that they finished top. Did they end up finish top of the Atlantic? Yeah, they won the division. Yeah, I, they're still an underdog going in. I think, and I think that they could really surprise people and go deep. This this could be a really interesting series. I, I have to admit, I, I haven't watched either one of these teams a whole lot this year. But just looking at on paper, I mean, you, you've got a, a really interesting goaltender matchup in Roberto Luongo against Thomas Grice. And I think that's a really interesting... It could, could really have some pretty interesting narratives with a... Uh, a, a career a, backup, a, a career backup going up against a career legend, legend, <laughs> and and uh, could possibly play just as well as him. If it depends on, I mean, he's got to do it first. But um, and I think that the Islanders bring an, an an amount of flash to the game that will really complement what the Panthers do on ice too. And I think this could be uh, the could be the best series. I think this one goes seven. It's also going to be very colorful. Yeah, they're going to be a lot very of color. colorful. Yeah, I mean, I think I have. Honestly, I, I am. I'm believing. I'm believing hard. I have Florida in five. I have Florida in five. That's right. I oh. think I'm. I think I'm going Florida in seven, though. No, I think I that's fine. That. I think yeah. that's reasonable. Yeah. Um, like I said, I lead with my heart a little bit more than maybe other people do. I, I, and if and if it goes seven, and Florida wins, and Yager has anything to do if with it, seven, I might find my way down there. Because <laughs> because I, I want to be because that seems like the most fun place to watch a hockey game right now. Um. Just across the state, uh, across the turnpike, we have the uh, uh, Lightning against the Red Wings. Lightning right now are coming into this game as the walking wounded. Uh, you've got Stamkos who's out, Johnson's hurt, Strawman's hurt. E, and still somehow they're probably going to find enough, find it. I, I still think they're the favorite against Detroit just because Tampa does have enough prospects and does have enough. Uh, Jonathan Duran's played pretty well so far. Um, Imagine that. They just need to find somebody to play center. That's the only thing the Lightning are really missing that would kind of alleviate my uh, my worry in this. But um, I still think they find a way to get it done in six just because Ben Bishop is that freaking good. Yeah. I, I th- Of all the playoff matches, matchups, I, my, my bottom two in, in terms of watchability is definitely going to be Dallas-Minnesota just because I don't think... I mean, Minnesota doesn't play an attractive brand of hockey. And, uh, and then uh, Detroit-Tampa because... Detroit kind of fell there, fell backwards into the playoffs a little bit, sort of scraped their way in, you know, bucking the reality and, and making the playoffs again. And then Tampa's just going in banged up, which is unfortunate because if it, if it were a full-strength Tampa team, 
I would expect them to go in, especially with no um, Babcock behind the bench. You know, I, I expect them to walk in and just dominate. Um, and instead, I think it's going to be kind of a dour affair. Um, I mean, I, right now I have the Lightning down in six. I think they pull it off and, and somewhat convincing, but I think it's going to be a little bit uncertain going into the second round for them. I, I have, um, well, I'm kind of formulating my opinion based on a lot of what y'all are saying because, again, I, I don't watch the Eastern Conference quite as much. But I think I I think Tampa Bay's defense is good enough to hold off the Red Wings for a, a great amount of this series, but I don't think it's good enough to beat them. I think that the Red Wings are, are, are a good enough team up and down to uh, to take advantage of an injury, injury-laden Lightning team. I think the Red Wings... I think the Red Wings win in six. Even a team that sometimes pl- that often plays Justin Abdicator in the top line. Yeah, that hurts, man. <laughs> team U.S. I mean, sorry, sorry, future World Cup of Hockey uh, USA player Justin Abdicator, multi-million dollar, multi-millionaire Justin Abdicator now. All right, Penguins uh, had a bit of a meteoric rise and have uh, taken away one of the divisional spots away from the. And now it's a two-three matchup. It's the two-three matchup, right, with the Rangers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're correct. Yeah. So is there any reason to believe that the Rangers have a chance in this? Well, I don't know. If you saw the news earlier today, I I haven't seen an update. So (coughs) uh, forgive me if I'm a little off. Um, But I believe Lundqvist actually left practice early and they had the equipment manager put gear on or some like some one of the one of the basically one of the staff actually had to put goalie gear on. Um, So I think there are or at least there were some concerns about Lundqvist's health. If Lundqvist is not available to start this series, the Rangers have little hope. Uh, I I think they it just looks like st- it was just like a stomach issue or something. A so. stomach issue? Yeah. Malkin is still out, correct? Yeah. Is he out for the playoffs? Uh, I think he's out for the playoffs. Let's see if I get an update on that real quick. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, they didn't. They didn't need him to be dominant in the past few weeks. No, that the honestly right. the line. Oh, he's on the he's on the ice right now. So uh, he is skating currently as we speak. Uh, or, like ten hours ago, he okay. was. He was He's been skating. The way you said it made straight. it sound like you had a live Malkin feed that you were watching I, him. I would totally watch it, man. <laughs> I just go over to James Neal's house, like, "Hey, bro, watch this." <laughs> right. You'd be like, "You need to leave." You need to just <laughs> gr- grab one of those books from his living room, crack it <laughs> open. <those> colored books. <laughs> those dogs. Yeah. yeah well, you know what? Here's the thing about the colored books, because everyone was like <laughs> freaking out about that. That's the bookshelf of someone who doesn't read books. Yeah, well, that's, that was the it. joke. Yeah. yeah, he he was he was. Uh, oh, was there a joke associated with that? Well, not really, but I think what he was saying was that he they weren't they were clearly like what were they from like uh, Pier One or something? I mean, they're done. Yeah. It's like Moby Dick, and it's like this isn't even Moby Dick. This is just a bunch of blank pages. Oh, was it really? Pages. I don't know, but it looked like that. Yeah, it, it looked, looked like, like something oh. that you would go to Kirkland and just buy like a. I mean, yeah, right. It just seems those. like it seems like some guy with a lot of money yeah. being like, "I want one of those chromatic bookshelves. Go just buy books and make it happen." And that's what that's what it was. I, I find yeah. that a little bit embarrassing because books are for reading and learning. Right. I, it is. It is a little bit. It then does. Again, it does suit James Neal's personality. Well, then then I. I <laughs> <laughs> not much into reading or learning though I, I i differ from a lot of people in which i i am happy to criticize james neal's style because everyone's like oh yeah james neal's the most stylish he's wearing red suits i'm like just because you can afford to buy fancy <laughs> things doesn't make you stylish i mean the, the i remember when those guys were lined up at the nhl all-star game they were wearing suit they and there was I, I can't remember who was actually wearing a proper suit might have been might have been weber probably weber um everyone else was dressed like an idiot 
It was he embarrassing. He <laughs> no, he really didn't. He 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 looked like he was trying to dress. Wait, what? Even Claude Giroux? Uh, no, I was talking about the Predators players. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, who knows what Claude Giroux was doing? He was probably naked. Um, <laughs> he was wearing a towel. <laughs> yeah, he was just he just walks in with a towel and a bow tie and just I'm here. Uh, no, I mean Yossi Yossi looked like he was going to like a horse race, but like looked up a reference photo from like the 1700s and <laughs> sort of merged it into one thing. Rene looked. I got it up right here. Rene looked like he's headed to like the Kentucky Derby. Uh, or like a Dillard's catalog, or like some Belk photo oh, shoot. Oh, don't you remember me, Roman Yossi's like smoking jacket? Yeah, that was. I liked it, man. That is that is just trying too hard. Weber was wearing literally like a proper suit. I mean, Weber was wearing a properly fitted suit. It was. I mean, the fit was spot on. It was not overly uh, narrow or tapered. Mm-hmm. Um, Grant, these guys are all athletes, so they have great frames for clothing, but they tend to over tailor them a lot of times. Mm-hmm. To emphasize that, and it ends up looking a little weird, yeah, weird or, yeah. or like too tight, um, because like, oh, I can wear clothes like this because I have zero percent body. Well, it ends up looking way, way too essential. Yeah, but Brett Burns defies convention. <laughs> if you try to like pull up Brett Burns, it, it's it's like um, it's like the goth kid who wore white. They're just trying to stand out in a sea of sameness. I assumed that you had just pulled up a picture of Abraham Lincoln. Honestly, <laughs> I thought that was Abraham Lincoln. Oh, but this is, I love this photo. I mean, but you got a check jacket, which is way too much. James Neal in a tack, frankly, a tacky suit. I mean, that's just tacky. I, I mean, Pekka, he's got the 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 kind of the like a. It looks like a French blue suede jacket almost from here. I don't think it it's was. Not suede, no. Well, I'm saying from here, it looks like I don't think it was. And the gray slacks. I mean, it's he's on the cusp of of. I think he's looking fine. The guys in the book ending are just a mess, and Weber looks. Like a proper adult, Yossi in that photo looks like a kind of a Swiss uh, Saul Goodman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's not I, <laughs> Neil's what the Canadian version. <laughs> no, Neil is someone who who thinks being able to. It, it's Don't sort be of like sorry. Don Cherry. Call Maury. I mean, five five five. Don Cherry just goes out and buys. <laughs> it just has like make this suit for me. Everyone knows he's not stylish, but he has the money. That's to his spend brand. This stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's his yeah. brand. James Neal's brand is is dressed like a guy who think who who still learned how to dress himself out of college, but has too much money. Did we pick uh, Pittsburgh? I'm sorry, I'm ranting more. About <laughs> yeah, I'm, about I'm waiting. Clothing. I'm, I'm we had to wait to see if the road ends back at Penguins. Oh yeah. no, oh, I'm sorry. Um, because you're talking about Penguins. So James Neal, um, being now anti-Penguin, would clearly disagree with my pick of of I think. I think the Penguins sweep the Rangers. Ooh. I think they do. I think yeah. they go in there. And I think they sweep them. How big of a dumpster fire is, are the New York Rangers going to be this summer? Uh, how big of a dumpster fire are they now? Pretty big. I think they are a dumpster fire. Because they're, they're over cap right now. Is that correct? Um, they have no money. That They have like no cap room for this. Well, right. the joke is, is that they... Got is that they've keep giving out getting rid of prospects to bring on guys like Eric Stahl. Now they do have like they do have an aged <laughs> an, an aged Rick Nash, uh, Derek Stepan, Derek Broussard, and Matt Zuccarello locked up for a while. But after this year, Chris Kreider RFA, Dominic Moore UFA, Victor Stahl well never mind, Kevin Hayes RFA, JT Miller RFA, uh, Lindbergh's Lindbergh's one year away from RFA. Keith Yandel's unrestricted at this year. Dan Boyle is old; he doesn't matter. Anti Ranta, so UFA. So they only have. What about Klein? Is he still a. Uh, Klein's under contract until. Oh, okay. Oh, he, he's still on the Predators yeah. contract, isn't he? The yeah, two, time two? 2.9 yeah, 2.9 million. Yeah. So he, I mean, that's a, that's a fine but contract. But the Rangers have that's no fine. first or second round pick this upcoming year. Uh, they don't have a second round pick the year after that. But their prospect situation is very thin. And Lundqvist is 33. Yeah. 
So I know that Henrik Lundqvist is great, but the the way that the Penguins score now, they're not just it, they're not just going to hold. They can't. They're not just a team that could just hold on to the puck and just you know squeeze the life out of you. When you have guys like Kessel and Haglin, who don't have to have an elite center on their line, because Phil Kessel's used to playing with a crappy center. He, he's Phil Kessel. He played long enough. Can't to play with Bozak as a cadre. That was such a nightmare. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It, it it trained him for this moment in his life. But the way that, that the Penguins can just beat you with speed, and when you have old defensemen like uh, like Girardi and Boyle out there, God bless you, man. Yeah, I mean, my note on this was that if Lundqvist is not 100% through the series, there is no way that the, that the Rangers can take it at all. I, and, it, you know, the second I saw any hint that he was not 100%, I'm like, sweep, done. I think the Penguins win it. I think it's more like five or six, but... I don't know if it will really Stop be that much of so a series. so reasonable every single prediction, it, Alex. It won't, be, it won't be much of a series to watch. I, I won't watch it. I like I like the Penguins in five. Just I I don't like the Penguins at all, ever. Uh, which <laughs> or the Rangers. Which okay. brings us to the last series, uh, ah. the, East, the Capitals versus the Flyers. Shall I ch- channel my inner John and be the Capitals fan here? Well, yeah. I want, you to cha- I want you to be you. That's what I want. Okay. I want you to be you. Well, I, I think the Capitals will win this series very easily. You're a liar. But I'm myself. When you say easily, how 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 do you think they're going to do it easily? No, I'm not doubting. Have you ever seen anyone do anything easily against Wayne Simmons? I, I don't think, think so. I think that the, the, the Flyers are a great team, and they've had a great run. And while they almost blew it and allowed Boston to uh, come back in there... Uh, <laughs> They are they're they're going to run out of steam pretty quick, and uh, it's not going to take much for the Capitals to just pour it on. They they generate so much of their scoring in dangerous areas. They have dangerous players all over the ice, and they've got a great goalkeeper. Um, goalkeeper when watching soccer, goaltender. It's, it, it val- it's valid vernacular. Yeah, right. Uh, I just think that they I I I don't think they'll sweep them, but it might might be close Al- to that. Alex, you're talking about running out of steam. You know what happens when you got a hot grill and you throw on some some peppers, green peppers and onions, and a little bit of uh, just thinly cut prime rib. You mm-hmm. get steam. Mm-hmm. That city is nothing but steam. How do you make? What, do you, what happens to those pretzels <laughs> when they sit in that little turning st- turning style? Steam. Steam keeps them rubbery and delicious and gross. Okay. That city is nothing but steam. I just have to throw that out there. Okay. All right. Let's. Okay. So so if we look at it realistically, the biggest issue the Flyers have to overcome in this series is their own defense. Gudis has been surprisingly effective. I cannot believe Ryko Gudis. After he stopped, once Gudis stops losing his mind every five <laughs> seconds, he's actually fairly competent. Okay, which which is pretty, which is actually scary. It, 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 he's either a liability or he's fine, <laughs> which is a funny thing to say. Gostas Bear has been unbelievable. The fact that he is not considered the shoe in for the caller is only because people are more taken with goal scoring than they are with defensemen. Well, he's a, he'll be in the top three, correct? Well, he but he's be. not going to, he's probably not going to win. Oh, he won't win. No, no, because people like goal scoring from forwards over anything from defensemen. And it's for us, def- it's just the way it is. last year. Yeah. I, I, for well, a defenseman <laughs> to win, it has to be Ekblad and he was, eight, he was 18 years old. And, and, he was and that, that, that I, would, I would throw out there that, um, the whole Calder setup last year was pretty screwy because Everyone was looking towards the back half of the season oh, rather than the entire season. I'm still bitter about that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Predators fans may not believe this. Del Zotto has been fairly consistent. He's on injured reserve, but he's been reasonable when he's been available. Um, Gudis has been acceptable. Um, McDonald is bad, but he 
can be okay. Stride uh, is old. Stride is old. Medvedev's okay. Medvedev actually, Medvedev is fantastic, but for some reason, Haxtell doesn't like him. No one gets it. Uh, so that's what worries me. I think the pred- predators, the Flyers at forward, are strong. They're deep. They don't always get the consistent effort, which I think is another small problem. But they've got a lot of depth there. Uh, goaltending, Steve Mason. Predators fans only remember him from from Columbus. Mm-hmm. He has been fantastic in Philadelphia since he got there. Would he make the um, all traded from Columbus team as the goaltender? Oh, I, yeah, okay. I, no, absolutely. <laughs> starting, starting first goalkeeper. Um, and the Neuvirth is a great backup. I mean, he got he got chunked out of Washington because, well, I mean, Hopi was chosen mm-hmm. as, Hopi, as the guy. Hopi had Varlamov, and, um, yeah, and so Neuvirth got chased around. But he's a solid goalkeeper. So I'm just trying to help you up by saying goalkeeper over and over now. Apparently. Okay, thank you. Um, thank you. So I, I think. And, and Who do they have at left back? <laughs> <laughs> Michael Dozato. <laughs> uh, actually, I was thinking about what how hockey positions. Well, right. There's right. ten going. Braden Shin has proven to be a good, competent number ten this year. Uh, well. <laughs> I can no, play. Shen, Shen has had a breakout season. Uh, I think once people get over, I think the narrative of brothers in hockey ruin players more than they help players. Without maybe the Sedins aside, um, so I think there's a lot of great pieces. I think the defense is a concern. If the defense can hold together, I think the Flyers can make this a long series. Hmm. If Trotz and the Capitals are able to take the defense apart, and they could very well do so, I think that it's going to be a very short series. Um, because I am a Flyers fan, I have Flyers in seven. If the Capitals crack the Flyers' defense, this could easily be a five-game series. Mm-hmm. That's that's what scares me. But I but I'm going to officially do the Flyers in seven because that's my heart. Barry Trotz has proven several things to me over his career. Not once has he proven to me to be a good postseason coach. But you have Alexander Ovechkin. <laughs> you have Alexander Ovechkin. You have Nicholas Backstrom. Yes. But I also know that when you punch or you try to, and you take a swing at a Barry Trotz team, he's okay with playing defense. The Philadelphia Flyers know they have a bad defense they, compared to the playoff teams. So Philadelphia is going to know they're going to have to score goals. They're going to have to. So I like the idea of Philly just going crazy Ivan and uh, just throwing pucks at the net. And uh, I mean, let's I mean, let's also call spade a spade. Braden Holtby's played a lot this year. He's a durable guy, but at the same time, I like rest when it comes to my goaltenders. There's also one other factor: the Flyers have the Capitals don't. They have a type of player that the Capitals do not. They have a Sean Couturier. I was about to say, like, is Zach Ronaldo going to play? (laughs) No, they got a third round pick for him. Uh, Sean Couturier is over the past couple of years, risen up into the being a Selkie candidate player. He is in probably when he's going to be within, within his, he, I, I would not be surprised if within his career, he wins a Selkie. He, he's he's um, the same guy that matched up against Crosby a couple of years ago in the playoffs. He can shut down any forward in the league. And that was when he was a kid. Yeah, he can shut. And he's still, he's still not that old. He's, he's only 23. Uh, yeah, 23. So I think he's going to win. He's going to win a Selkie in his career. Um, I don't think anyone can win a silky until Bergeron retires, but uh, he's got a good shot. I think the 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 one uh, you mentioned it sort of with the trots, um, the trots factor. There's the Washington Capitals factor, and that is that they've had a recent run of uh, disappointing disappointing playoff series where they should have beat the other team and did not. So that could easily happen. Having said that, 
they are like second in the league in scoring and second in the league in defense and uh, have a 50 goal scorer and have a ton of talent. Yes. But the Capitals also are just going, or the Flyers are just going to hit them and hit them. And, and no one stops Wade Simmons. Yeah. He's Wayne. I, I'm, a, I'm actually going to go Flyers in six on this. Oh, a reason, wow. This is the reason they call Wayne Simmons the Midnight yeah. Meat Train. I like it. I, I think he just I'm, beats everyone up. I'm going Capitals in five. And I think the Capitals, well, I don't want to give too much away, but I think they start a run here. They're going to go on a run? Mm hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, like run. the Blues? <laughs> <laughs> he enunciated, right. Dan. That was pretty well done. <laughs> Uh, let's spend, a, was let's spend a few minutes on the Preds Ducks series, shall oh, we? Uh, yes. The Anaheim Ducks have won their uh, won their division for the fourth year in a row because it's what the Anaheim Ducks do. Uh, the guy who's actually won, been a guy they've leaned on a whole lot this year is not Ryan Getzlaff. It's not Corey Perry. It's Ryan Kessler, who's been one of their most effective five on five players this year. Uh, now, uh, over the last seven games, we have we've been hearing some narrative about how. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks have found a way to break Getzlav away from Perry and, and have more balance. Well, great. But in the last seven games, Getzlav's been back with Perry. So um, I'm going to throw that out there. So it's it's now back to being the standard Jakob Silverberg back with Ryan Kessler and uh, Corey Perry back with Ryan Getzlav. For me, the key matchup in this entire series is the Ryan Kessler line against the Mike Ribeiro line. Ribeiro's line is primarily deployed in their own offense in their offensive zone. Kessler's line primarily deployed in the defensive zone. Kessler's line is the only line that they make this type of deployment with. They're the only line that has a very specific assignment. And with the way the Predators are constructed, where they have two lines that carry the water as far as scoring goes, they're either going to deploy them against the Johansson line or the Ribeiro line. The Ribeiro line's a lot more kind of one-sided. Now, I know they're going to get matchups both ways, but... One of these lines has to get hot for this season. One ha- or ha- has to get hot during this series in order for the Predators to win. You, I, I, I think the line, yeah, I, I think um, the the you know Forsberg's line with Ribeiro, um and Smith. That's right. Yeah, is is really going to have to find a way to crack the Kessel matchup because when they're on the road in Anaheim, they're probably going to get a face full of that every single time they're out there, and. Being the being the uh, lower seeded team, they have to take that game on the road. So I that's going to be so key. I I think you just you absolutely nailed it in, in that matchup. And um, I'm less concerned with the Getzloff uh, Perry grouping. I mean Perry's going to be a jerk. Getzloff has finally evolved fully in the Mark Messier 2.0, and and um, <laughs> I I don't know what's going to come of them. I mean I always expect them to be dangerous, but I just never quite have confidence that they're always going to bring it. Um, I don't. This is just the, the thing that excites me about this series is just it, it always builds animosity so quickly, and it just turns into a complete riot. And I mean a riot in a good way, not in like the Vancouver way. Um, I the, the tricky thing about this is is to, if you think about it, even though the Anaheim Anaheim's late season run has was slightly more meteoric, these teams are so similar. I mean, they really are in terms of the the first half of the first half of this season for the Predators and the first half of the season for the Ducks, just throw it away. doesn't mean anything. Don't worry about who was on the team. We had Cody Hodgson on that team. Uh, it, there was the, the teams, the teams are since January, January 13th, about the middle midway of the season. These teams are different. And so when you consider that um, they, they really have a lot of similarities. I mean, they, the, they are very similar in terms of possession. Uh, they're, right next to each other in terms of goal scoring and in terms of goals goals allowed except the ducks are a little bit better in that they're tops of the league um 
I think the difference is going to be in these matchups. And uh, and as we talked about earlier, can the Predators protect Pecorine from uh, from losing the series? Yeah, I, I, this is the single place, and I'm going to say this sentence, and Dan's going to just jaws going to go slack. This might actually be a place where it makes sense to have Cody Bass available because with the degree of animosity, with the degree of, of emotionality that's going to come into this, this matchup, people are going to fight. It's going to happen. I do not want to see Weber fight in this series because he is too important to have on the ice for his, his body and his, his impact in that way. So if, if it means that you've got to play Gostad who will throw punches and Bass will throw punches to prevent Weber from having to do that, because he will, because Weber will snap and do it. I'd be fine if Mike Fisher did that, um, which he's fought guest lab before yeah. multiple times. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's the only thing, is is if you recognize as a coach, if you're Peter Laviolette and you say, I don't like employing, I'm just putting words in his mouth, I don't like employing enforcers, but I've looked at the history of these teams and how this happens. There will be fights. I need to have people to basically throw in the penalty box and not be a detriment to to the game plan. That's when you play Gostad and you play Bass. Here's a stat line for you guys, and I haven't heard seen this brought up anywhere else. So if we see one else bring this up, you know that they were listening to the podcast. Hi. Hello. Since the uh <laughs> since February first, this is right when both teams started kind of finding fifth gear and, you know, start, you know, going on the, the run. The last thirty five games of the year for the Ducks, thirty two for the Predators. High danger scoring chances. This is something that we felt that Link, you and I have focused on for quite a while now. As far as scoring chances, we've brought this up. As far as plus minus on scoring chances, the Nashville Predators at even strength are a plus 39. Anyone want to take a guess where the Ducks are? 12. I was going to go 10. Minus 13. Wow. I didn't say minus. I meant minus 12. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Dan. <laughs> so the Ducks, if nothing else shown that they are not, I mean, they're, as far as the regular scoring chances go, they're a little bit, they're about, <clears throat> since the um, since the 1st of February, they're a plus 60, Nashville's a plus 94. But once you get inside the zone of Anaheim, you can get close to the net. And we're seeing a new part of Philip Forsberg's game where he's not afraid and he's kind of, he's almost become like a pirate where he's not afraid to uh, sword fight down there with his ravier getting really close into the net. And we're seeing him... Um, we're seeing him do more sides of his game than just rearing back and shooting all the time. That's where he really excelled this year. See, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm really not actually all that worried about the Predators being able to generate some scoring. No, the, 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 it's going to be on the defensive side. Yeah, I, and, but it also shows that Anaheim, as far as scoring chances, it's a weird conversation to have. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> honestly, this is. I mean, it almost feels like it's complete reversal from the last couple playoff series. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as scoring chances for both are the same, the Nashville just does not give up a whole lot of high-danger scoring chances anymore. So it literally, this is Pecorine's series to lose in and a lot of that ways. That is the scariest sentence I've heard and in a while. when you consider how how much, the, how the Ducks are built to be a special teams, I mean, they, they their power play and their penalty kill basically have won them a lot of games down the stretch. They're, they shoot, their shooting percentage... Just overall, all situations is about eight point seven. When you take the power play out of it, six point seven. Five eight five v five. They are one of the worst shooting teams in the league, and that's why they don't. You know, they do not. They are not that scary of an offensive team. But again, if Pecorine is not on his game, 
it could very easily go south quickly. There is no miss by I think about the uh, the high danger scoring chance number. Nashville is the best in the league at limiting high danger scoring chances. Mm-hmm. We've said it over and over again on the show. Link likes to bring it up to the fact that Weber and Yossi love to break up the play before you even enter in the zone. Right. And uh, if you can get the uh, if you can get to where Anaheim's big guns are starting in their own defensive zone more, like the Kessler line and like the um, and like the Getzlav and uh, Perry line starting in the more defensive zone, that's that actually is a recipe for success for Nashville. There's a lot of ways I think this series can go. Uh, I don't doubt that Anaheim is maybe the more talented team in certain areas, but that's not always going to be the case with this team, with Nashville. Nashville is, I mean, this is this year still is, not, I wouldn't say found money, but because we expect the players to be in the playoffs, but anything they do in, as far as success goes, it's a new it's a new era as far as Nashville hockey is concerned for me because you've got all these guys are still in their early twenties. You know they've got a they've got some room to work with as far as with some entry level contracts as well. Uh, this is the last go round for guys like Nystrom and Gostad. I I really don't know if Nystrom's going to be back even as atrocious as this contract is. Um, there's a lot to be excited about. So we'll get into a little bit more later on this week. We've got a full prediction with the whole rest of the staff coming around, but uh, kind of dip your toes in that a little bit this year. We're going to circle back around to it as well because it is time for five tough questions. Oh, I didn't know. I was like, does he want me to say it? No. <laughs> so uh, these are going to focus a bit of around the league, um, but first two quick notes. Um, uh, Don Maloney was announced he was going to be let go today, which we think is a kind of a dumb move. because I think it's okay. Uh, I mean, the, it's just whatever. You know, the Arizona Coyotes have never been an easy job, and I think Don Maloney's a pretty I, I, darn yeah, good. Yeah, I believe one of the statements, uh, the, the, they in, there was indication that they're going to go in a more stats-focused direction. Which you have to be with that type of that type of job. I mean, you have to be a guy. You have to think of of, of finding fine yeah. finding good deals and. But I think I think it's key that that it was very much they were like Maloney's leaving, Tippett is staying. And I'm Dave Tibbetts, a great coach. So that's he is. He is. Cool he's he's the Bear Trust 2.0. Also, uh, Ed Snyder passed away uh, due to a bout with cancer. The original Philadelphia Flyer, not a player. Just I mean, he he was the team. He I mean he made it possible. We make a lot of uh, Mr. Burns type jokes with uh, regarding uh, Ed Snyder, but uh, can you speak as far as like what what he means to Philadelphia as well, far well, as I mean, it, I mean it, we, we it's not much different than what I said. I mean he. I mean the the Flyers team that was him. I mean he when the team came in the league, he was the guy who was the money behind it. He's been behind it the whole way, seeing it through Stanley Cups, seeing seeing it through really rough times. Uh, you know it's been it's been really interesting seeing just all the players, uh, former and current, uh, going out into Twitter and saying things, and, and the Hart family who are very, of course very dear to to you know the Philadelphia Flyers, um, you know saying a lot of things um, when. Laura Hart, Laura Lauren Hart. Um, I screw up her first name. I feel, but you know me in names. Uh, saying "God Bless America" at the last Flyers game, as is you know a tradition. Oh, to she, sing. she did the. Uh, she, they had they her. had him, they had S. Snyder FaceTime in from the hospital, um, which obviously made the whole thing. I mean, it's, uh, the "God Bless America" thing is already very emotional in Philadelphia due to the, the whole production and the connotations. But you add in Ed Snyder and, and the situation, uh, it just made for a, a really unique atmosphere and and. It would be great to see the Flyers carry the passion they have for and and, and kind of to res- and the respect they have for Ed Snyder carry that into the playoffs, and you know do some things kind of in tribute to to uh, what he did for the team because he, I mean, he did everything for the team. 
Yeah, uh, we didn't talk about that during our uh, our series preview, but that'd be a hell of a way for him to uh, and be remembered for one last uh, one last uh, series victory like that. That'd be kind of cool. It would be. It'd be. It'd mean probably a lot to the franchise. So, lots of cool. city too. Now, now that we're all somber and stuff. Question number one. Um, Patrick Waugh and Mark Vergevan were given the vote of confidence by their prospective uh, management groups earlier this week, and uh, then Don Maloney gets fired. Um, now, you say you're okay with the uh, Coyotes firing, firing Maloney, but uh, where do the Avalanche and the uh, Habs fall on your list of worst-run franchises? Because we talked about the Canucks. That, the Habs are in a class of their own because of their obsession with people with French last names. I don't know how to judge them because they have an insane rule to start with. If, you're, if you if you can't like they want everyone to speak French, I mean it, that's fine. I mean I understand you want you want your coach to speak French. It makes sense for the audience and the environment. But like you're going to favor players with French names because they have French names. That's not a way to run a professional organization. Um, yeah, I mean retaining Bergevin, I mean, that's. Fine. They get Bergevin's gonna stay around. Michel Terrian got a got a vote of confidence. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Ter- uh, I said Bergevin. I know he was. Yeah, no. I, yeah, I was like, that doesn't sound right. And I was one with it. Michel Terrian. Yeah, ter- as well. yeah. It just keeping both of them around. I don't think Bergevin was actually at risk, but Terrian maybe. Um, he maybe shouldn't be around. I mean, to me, it falls more but, on Bergevin because there was no backup plan after Carey Price. Well, no, you don't. I mean. What's the Predators' backup plan to Pecorine? Um, there is a one. Yeah. That's, yeah. So right. I mean, it's it, it's not it's a, it's a difficult thing when you sink a lot of money into a starting into your number one goaltender. Um, I don't know. I don't, I struggle with with Montreal just because they have unique con- restrictions they've placed on themselves. Um, I can speak more to the Avalanche because it's very clear and it's been very clear for a while that Joe Sakic doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, even Avs fans know this. The only reason he has that job is because he was a famous Carlo Avalanche player. He, he does not have that job otherwise. That's a big problem in hockey in general, um, in sports in general. If you like were a crappy defenseman for for a hockey team, you can get a job coaching at a profe- at a semi professional amateur. You can get a job being job paying you to do something you were bad at. Um, and granted, I'm not saying like Barry Trotz, who's a good coach, was a was a mediocre. Peter Laviolette had four NHL games. Yeah, it's the same. It, it, you know, it, it, I, I'm kind of being very little facetious with all of this, but. Uh, you know, you can only take your legendary status so far before people find you're not good at what you do. I mean, we saw Wayne Gretzky be terrible as a coach for a long time. I don't think the Canadians are in as bad a position as uh, as as you might think. I mean, they, they're they they have put all their eggs in a, just a few baskets. I mean, they, they are obviously only relying on Carey Price, but the What's uh, French for basket. I'm, I'm not Best sure. Kid. I don't know. Best <laughs> uh, but the, the Avalanche, I, I think they're in kind of an interesting position. They they have, they've got nine million dollars of cap space. What do they do with that? What, what, how do they how do they how do they approach this offseason? Because they've got they've they've got some pieces, but do they go after I don't know Akposo Versteeg? Yeah, Akposo in um in Montreal would be pretty funny. I was talking about the avalanche. Oh, I missed the transition. Oh, I was more thinking about eggs and. I'm sorry, French. I I, uh, I, tra- I transitioned too quickly there. I was talking. So the the avalanche have nine million in, in cap room. The uh, Canadians don't have any, but they've got basically everybody signed through next year, including Price. So they, I think the ca- the Canadians, I think will be fine next year once they get a, a full year of Carey Price and, uh, you know, the the usual questions about Galchenyuk 
and if Brendan Gallagher comes back in, uh, not for you know from injury. But uh, the Avalanche, I don't know. I mean, it, the Avalanche do have to give a raise to Nathan McKinnon. He's gonna be, he's not going to be cheap. Sure, uh, Tyson Berry's not going to be cheap either. Uh, Calvin the, Picard not going to be cheap. Yeah, the team is badly run, badly coached. I, I would mean, I would agree with the coaching the coaching side definitely. But what have they done to improve the team other than draft than than throw finish money poorly and draft good players? Throw money well, at they're Eric doing, Johnson. They're doing what the Oilers money. did for years unsuccessfully yeah. because Oilers had bad management. Well, they haven't. They it's not like they had they had a couple couple good drafts. I think. Well, they were able to land some free agents like Francois Beauchemin hasn't been terrible, mm-hmm. but. I mean, I guess I expected Tyson Berry to be further along than what he is now. I mean, Eric Johnson's an okay yeah, I, number I feel one like defense, but he's not great. They're not. I don't. I do not think they're doing the. I mean, granted, I will say I think Waugh is worse as a coach than Sakic as a GM. I would agree with that. That is true because Waugh is not getting the most out of his players. Right. But Sakic has also not given him, the, uh, uh, not put him in a position to be as because even if Waugh was getting the most out of his players. He still doesn't have a good team. If they t- if they had signed Paul Stastny, and uh, or at least maybe traded him the year before and then threw money at Ryan O'Reilly, yeah, that's that's say they'd be in a better situation. Maybe you could, they could have turned around and and traded, you know, made a different trade and get brought in some actual defense. The the Ryan O'Reilly situation definitely is a big black eye on that on yeah, that I mean, situation. There's there's a lot of black eyes. I mean, the way they've handled a lot of things recently has been has been poor. Um, so I think the vote of confidence on, on Wah is, is definitely... Well, Wah and Saki are also inseparable. If one goes, the other goes. There's no... Yeah. There's Like, I think they go at the same time. All right. Number two, um, are you buying or selling the idea that P.K. Subban will be traded out of Montreal, if not this summer, next summer? No. 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 They're um, not... I mean, they're, no one is that stupid. I, he's got a big cap hit. He's Someone's going to take that on. He's still PK Subban. And it's, it's kind of a hard. I mean, it'd be a hard sell to move that, just because he's you know. But there's if you re, if you're buying into the whole trouble, there's trouble in the locker room in Montreal, and there's oh, the I locker rooms picking sides on this. No, it's it's not a thing. It it is it is me, Canadian media media driven crap. But this stuff perception is reality for a lot of old guys in suits. Like this yeah. stuff does actually. Well, Bergman already came out and put his vote of confidence behind Subban today. Yeah, I mean, he did. He came out and he's he put it. He's like, I'm not trading PK Subban. You don't trade a genera- a, a talent like that. You just don't trade. I mean, he is uh, an elite defenseman. He is core to the Canadians and their identity. And he is, as far as athletes go and as far as presences go, is a, is one of the. He's a heart of Montreal. I, th- I mean, he is so ingrained. I think it would only make sense in in the business sense, uh, in the same way that a lot of people wanted. Weber to be traded because of the of the cap hit and just not having enough cash flow to do things. If they wanted to clear up some cash space and be able to build a, a maybe a slightly better team, perhaps. But I, no, I don't think there's anything to them, them wanting to get rid of him because of locker room issues or anything like that. All right, number three, this is more general manager hijinks. Uh, the Jackets general manager Yarmo Kekalainen told the team media today, "Quote." One of uh, Columbus's top priorities this offseason is evaluating and potentially bolstering the center position. I hear Bacchus is available. <laughs> is that, um, is it, here's, I mean, this is kind of a, a dumb a dumb thing to, to say to a fan base that has seen their organization trade away guys that have went elsewhere and been very successful guys like Jake Voracek, Jeff Carter's won two rings. Who's the center? Uh, Rick Nash. Rick Wait, Nash, I mean, who's you know he hasn't done great things in New York, but he made a conference, he made a, a cup final, mm-hmm. and Derek Broussard, who's Rick Nash's center now, 
you look at, uh, I think that was part of the Gabrick trade. What and then they, they turned around gave away Gabrick for pretty much nothing. And Gabrick has a ring. But here's the question I want to circle back to with this. Is the number one, that was incredibly dumb. That's, that's not even a question, that's a statement. Is it just <laughs> that much easier for a team in Columbus's position that knows you're going to be drafting in like the top four or five? Is it that easier to get a number one center in the draft than it is a franchise defenseman? Is that the reason why do you think Columbus made this trade? Well, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, the number one, the the, the top line center is is the the gem. It is the hardest piece to get. So if you can have the if you have the opportunity to draft someone who projects to be a number one center, uh, very clearly, you draft that guy. Um, I mean, I, I think it, it's kind of laughable, Kekalan's quote. Uh, but within the greater context, I, I think you lose some of the nuance um, because you look at bringing Tortorella in, which was a mistake, but it's the reality. And uh, when Tortorella was brought in, that was that was it for Johansson. He was he was basically he wasn't treated well from what you see in the media in terms of you know we called out of shape and benched and all these things, and you haven't seen any of those being issues in Nashville. Um, and then you go and he says, "Hey, we need we need to focus on getting a number one center." Well. I mean, Tortorella would go bonkers for a guy like Bacchus. Oh yeah, he's, um, he's so. I mean, tailor made for him. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think it's I promise. I don't think the, Columbus the wording, has the money to pay. Yeah, him. I, well, I think the wording should would have been better served as we need a number one center who fits our system or the or our plan going forward. Uh, I, I think that's more would have been more realistic. Meanwhile, the rest of the league is sitting around saying, "Yes, please get us a number another center that we can trade for." that will be perfect for a playoff cup run. So next year, just by some sheer numbers here, Columbus Blue Jackets have $68 million committed next year to 11 forwards, seven defensemen, and three goalies. So that's not even a full roster, and they're already bumping up against the cap. Yeah. And that's not including a raise for Eric Carlson, or pardon, William Carlson and Seth Jones. I mean, it's so oh, funny because um, it's not even that they have one or two bad contracts. It's they've signed a whole bunch of like mid-size bad contracts. And have just been clogging themselves up with just the refuse of the league. Sergey Bob. Yeah. Whoa, 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 Bobrovsky. Oh, God. Do, do, do not say bad things about Sergey Bobrovsky. Oh, I, he's I'm a hero sure, to all of us. I'm sure he's a fine. $7.4 million, though? It's, yeah, Is that really his cap hit? I haven't yeah. paid any attention. Oh, I'm sorry. That's absolutely insane. <laughs> Poor Sergey. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's not nothing. That's not bad about. Sorry, that's bad about Kekalainen. I can't no, yeah, I don't have anything against against Bob, but um, I never. Yeah, I never looked at his contracts. Pretty bad. Yeah, that's that's pretty god awful. I gotta say, is that just is that the cash or the cap hit? That's the uh, cap hit, bro. That's horrifying. Yeah, it's absolutely horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I must have blacked it out or something. Yeah, the good news is for Columbus, they do have uh, Renee Bork's contract falling off after next year. So that'll save Renee Bork's contract. They're that's paying a Renee sentence. Bork three million dollars this year. <laughs> that's a you want to place for our hockey clubs? Here, takes this money. <laughs> Yanni, oh my goodness! Yanni's got to be looking at his brother like, oh, no, <laughs> don't do this. Uh, number three, the blue or part number four, the Blues are likely going to play the likes of Steve Ott and Ryan Reeves in their series against Chicago. Is this the plan that you would employ playing against the Chicago Blackhawks? And how can St. Louis win this series? No, and they can't. Okay. Any you want to care to elaborate? How would uh, no? I mean, I, I obviously I'm not. Gonna, I wouldn't want to see those guys play Reeves. I, I'm not. I'm not into the pugilist. I'm not into the fighting. I think it's a distraction from the game. Uh, it, it's not a recipe for victory, especially against a team like the Blackhawks, whose depth is going to, who who try to build the best depth they can going into the playoffs. 
so intentionally putting worse hockey players out there, so you're going to be in more situations where they're going to have better players in the ice. It's not the recipe for victory. It, it, it's a very Hitchcock thing to do at this point. Um, and it, it, it lined up with how he, he manages goaltenders. It's just not a good recipe for, for, for success. I think they're good at other... <clears throat> the rest of their team is fine. I don't think that'll happen, and I don't think that it'll matter. Oh, it'll happen. All the Blues fans I know are terrified. I do know that uh, David Backus, being the sociopath that he is, is probably going to see Brent Seabrook, and it's yeah, it's going to get ugly pretty quickly. Because if you remember the last time these two teams played in the playoffs, uh, Seabrook's the guy that can cut Backus, and uh, that was an ugly scene. There will be blood in, that, in this series. Oh, yeah, someone's going to bleed in this series. I, I'm not saying that in a, I can't wait, but it's kind of more of like, this is, yeah, TV 14 in the top corner of the screen. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, that kind of series. Fifth question. How can, the, how can the Nashville Predators beat the Ducks, and how plausible is it the Nashville will win this series? Give me a percentage. Uh, percentage? Yeah, give me can a Can I per- answer the question first? Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, I, I think um, it's going to come down to uh, structure and consistency. I think the Predators have to, and, and this comes to a lot of what Alex was talking about earlier, about needing to be to be strong in the defensive zone to protect the crease, to protect Packer. That's going to take structure, and you're going to have to do it consistently throughout the series. Uh, if they can do those things, I don't. I have a lot of faith in the team going forward into the offensive zone. But the one thing that frustrates me, and it's frustrated me all season, is out of position defensemen and defensemen losing their men, their their man when they're playing man to man. That makes me nervous, um, and it has all year. And I think that's a real risk. Uh, and I I genuinely think, and and I went back and forth on this all afternoon when I was doing doing prep work. I really think it's a fifty fifty matchup. Um, not not literally a coin flip, but I, I think both teams have what it takes to win the series, but it, it's going to come down to who can execute better. My my percentage is more like 60-40. 60% the Predators can, can win. Um, I guess I'm being a bit of an optimist there, but uh, I, I, I really think that the Ducks have some holes that we can exploit. I think their health is in question. I think ours is not as much. Um, now, that could all change after one game, as, as we all know, um, but I, I feel like this team, the, the Predators, that is, can exploit what the Ducks don't do well, and that is five on five. I think that the the spe- they rely they've relied way too much on special teams, and yes, they don't they don't mean a lot in the playoffs. But and that's because you don't play them a lot in the playoffs. You play a lot of five on five, a lot of even strength. I think the Predators are a better team in that respect. I think the more of a focus is you're right. The more is more of a focus on penalties. I don't know if there's more or less call in the. I've seen differing studies on that if they're more or less calling them in the in the um in the postseason but i do know that if you call a penalty on one team you're expected to call a penalty on the other team not too long afterwards because i mean it's more of a focus these officials are scared in the sense that they're you know they know that they're being graded you you don't want to have kind of like that uh, that situation that you had last year in game uh, in game one against chicago where you have it you have an egregious you know breakaway that should have been called a penalty shot Joe Micheletti, oh, that's that's a good no call right there. And then you have, you know, Seth Jones called for a slashing penalty that I think the oh, crowd was just too tired goodness. to riot. But uh, I think where do you come out as far as penalties in the playoffs go? I know that you probably... Uh, yeah, you ready for my super reasonable answer? Yeah. Um, and I'm not being sarcastic there. It's going to be super reasonable. <laughs> uh, that's why I asked. Yeah, the, I, I believe, and I've said it before, the NHL is incredibly difficult to officiate. 
there's a lot of little tiny things that happen that are legitimate penalties. I I hate the whole makeup call thing. Um, if I think if you make a mistake, you own it and you move on. You don't call another BS penalty to balance things out. You call the penalties as they occur. If you miss it one, it's going to happen. Fans need to understand that. Coaches need to understand that. People freak out. They get angry. It's going to happen. You have to be mentally prepared for it as a team, as a coach, as a fan base. You have to be prepared for that. Uh, and there's going to be bad calls that are that are you know things that shouldn't be penalties that are going to be called that way. It goes both ways, and you just have to deal with it. Uh, if it is so egregious that it's affecting the outcomes of the games that the calls are it's that bad officiating, the NHL will substitute the officials because there is a officials union. And they do have influence. And they do not want their guys out there getting embarrassed and looking bad. Because that does not help them when they're negotiating contracts. It's in their best interest that the referees are doing the best job possible. So there are it's more than just the games. There are business entities with interest in seeing success. Uh, so that is my stance on officiating. Uh, I, I, I think it should just be consistent all through the year. I don't think it should change just because you're in the playoffs. Um, officiating should be neutral and consistent regardless of errors because errors happen. And this is an Anaheim Ducks team that knows how to get power plays. They play. They, they have a lot of guys that play, quote, on the edge with your Kesslers yeah. and your Corey Perrys that are going to try to draw penalties. Yeah, and, and, and that's actually one of the things I was looking at earlier, and I'm glad you brought it up, Dan, in that, yeah, Anaheim draws penalties like crazy. Mm-hmm. They are so good at it. The Predators don't take a ton of penalties, but when they do, it hurts. Uh, so that's going to be uh, definitely, I mean, that's going to be hugely decisive. And uh, pen- penalty kills are, are I, I was looking at a, a study recently that showed that pe- penalty kill is a better, better measurement of your postseason success. Not a great one, but a better measurement than your power play success. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. mostly because of team that teams respond to the to taking a bad penalty, the teams that do respond well to it tend to do better in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, it, this is a tournament. It is a tournament. The most important thing in a tournament is focus, mental fortitude. Because when you are focused, when you have the mental fortitude, when you are mentally strong, you're going to be able to concentrate on executing your game and doing it correctly. When you start getting distracted, when you start getting pushed off your game, when you start losing that that mental fortitude, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do stupid things, and it's going to it's going to change the whole course of the game. Scott Hartnell. Yeah, this applies to any any sport, any anything, any activity. It, could, it applies to you in your day to day job. You know, when you finally hit kind of the end of your rope and you are just stressed out of your mind, where you cannot make good decisions, you just have to step back. It's the same thing in the, in hockey, and it's going to be really important, especially when it comes to penalties against a team like the Ducks, who are agitators. Yeah. So we end up this week. Uh, first game was on Friday, all the way at Friday and uh, what Sunday night, nine thirty at night uh, oh. starts for both of them. So uh, we're going to be off our regular schedule again, which you know we hate because we like recording our standard schedule. We just do. We'll be okay. We'll be. We'll live. And we can't um, just cover one game. <laughs> yeah, we don't want just going to cover one game. So we'll probably get another episode on Monday night. So uh, um, prediction for the first uh, for the first two games. <sighs> oh, uh, you're asking a lot of me, Dan. You think okay? Split. What are the chances of a split at least? Uh, I, pre- I think a hundred percent chance of a split. 
I think a pretty high chance. Zero of chance of bananas. Yeah, I like. That. Well, no, they are playing one game at home, right? No, no. they're playing both in the road. Play, yeah, it starts two. It's two, two, God, one, one. I don't one. know what yeah. I'm doing. No, I think. Um, no, I'm gonna say. Um, I think the Predators can take game one. What are the odds of the uh, Predators taking both? Pretty, I'd say about thirty-three. Twenty-one. There's about 33% chance I, 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 Yeah, there's no way to verify these percentages. It yeah. either happens or it doesn't. Either so. way, if, I'll feel a hell of a lot better if they win game two. Like, yeah. Regardless of what happens in game one, if they win game two... Uh-oh. Doesn't that match what happened uh, in what? 2011? I think something like No, that. they won game one last. They won game one. But, you know, 2011, I'm tired of seeing people draw comparisons <laughs> to this series, 2011. It's a whole different type of team. This team's actually built to do something. Have you ever seen a cat fight a duck? Yeah. Doesn't last long. No, it doesn't. Especially with a big, feral, prehistoric cat with giant, gangly teeth. Anywho, uh, you can follow Chris on Twitter at 3D Link. You can follow Alex on Twitter at Alex Doherty One. I got it right. That's right. That's correct. Hell yes. I follow myself at Dan D. Bradley. You can follow the show at On the Forecheck. This has been the Predcast. Uh, talk to everybody next week, and uh, stay tuned. Uh, we can have our predictions coming up soon, and we may have something going on this weekend. Just watch your Twitter feed for that one. Anywho, everyone have a good week.